The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. You never know just where the conversation will take you on Talk Radio. So 2017 and into 2018, Me Too has come to, those two words have come to define a, a whole raft of things that we never thought that those two words would come to encapsulate. And the story I'm going to talk to you about tonight is something that we've become pretty familiar with. If I just outline it for you, we're talking about, in this case, a 22-year-old who's saying that some years ago, when they were 17, they were... Um, they were sexually assaulted, is the word they're using, by um, someone who was 37. At that time, they were working together and the person that abused them had considerably more power. The person who says they were manipulated by the more powerful older person it was left feeling ashamed, like they couldn't speak out, and it was something they'd been carrying with them for some time. It's unfortunately a story that we've heard a lot, right? And I think since Me Too and various other cases we've had over the last few years, society shifted towards believing the victim before it's disproven, right? Especially when it comes to women who've been dominated by men and this whole casting couch thing where they're told in the past that that's just how Hollywood is. You like it or lump it. How do you think she got her job? You know, don't be silly. You've just got to do what you've got to do. So when you hear about the story of the 17-year-old, you think, my God, this 37-year-old, what a monster. So what if I were to tell you that the alleged victim was a man and the 37-year-old was a woman and that the 37-year-old is one of the leading lights of the Me Too movement. She was one of the first women lauded as brave and courageous who stood up to Harvey Weinstein. He seemed to have had it in the bag for years and years, a kind of open secret. They were making jokes about it on Saturday Night Live and on things like Family Guy. You know, there were the odd jibes, but no one did anything, okay? So that's the story. 17-year-old man, boy. In the eyes of the American law, he was underage because you can't have sex in consensual sex in, in the US until you're 18. 37 year old she says it didn't happen he's saying he's he's sure it did and now there are photos that have sur surfaced of what appears to be like a bedroom selfie of them two together there's also an allegation that um one news outlet has seen uh, text messages apparently from an anonymous friend um from the woman saying yeah i did have sex with him but i didn't know how young he was until he started the shakedown classic isn't it if it was an older man, when they start talking about, oh, yeah, I didn't know how young she was, and then she started to try and get money out of me, you go, okay, mate, but you must have known she was way younger than you were. So is it different if it's a bloke? It really shouldn't be, should it? And why do I feel like the fact that it's Asia Argento in the spotlight for this is somehow, I feel sorry for her, and I feel like... um Maybe there's something we're missing here and maybe it is a stitch up and maybe maybe Weinstein is working his machinations as he's done in the past. You know, we've heard that he he pays people to pose as um, lawyers and get close to the victims and intimidate them and make stuff up about them from within. Could it be that? Because actually, if we're going to be post me too, if we're going to be fair to victims, we should just believe them all, shouldn't we? Well, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's, I mean, it shouldn't be a tricky one, 
And as we were talking about it before we came on air, I found myself saying all of the tried and true things that the scummy patriarchy like to say, which is, well, I'm sure he wasn't a virgin. And then I heard myself... And why did he let his photo be taken? Yeah, and why, and why did he let his... Fo- I mean, there he was in bed with her. He could have said no. Um, you know, come on. He had to be up for it. Like, you know, those Hollywood actors. Um, and then I realized all of those thoughts were pretty reprehensible because that's what the, you know, men folks say about mm-hmm. women who are in that situation. And that's, and that's clearly wrong. And the fact is, if she's a more powerful senior colleague is what she was at the time they were working together. Yeah. And she should have known better. The on- onus is on her. Whether she fancies him or not, you've got to know that the boundary is there and he's a kid. Yes. Although, of course, then some of the other voices in my head are saying, well, look at President Macron of France. He's doing well after he met his lady love when he was 16 and she was 36 or yeah. whatever it was yeah. when she was his teacher. Um I don't know for sure that they got it on right then and there, but um, the seeds were sown, so to speak. And we would think it was creepy. We do think it's creepy when we hear these stories about teachers marrying even former pupils. You know, there are some that wait until they've finished the school to date them. There are some that get married years later. But you still have that thing in your mind of, oh, that's a little bit seedy. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's 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 a funny basis for a relationship, you think, because it has to do with one person is in control, has yeah. power, is domineering. Uh, although, obviously, if the student's a good student, they can catch up with the teacher and surpass them, and that happens. I mean, look at President Macron of France. He's the president of France. And they got married. But what if the story had been different? I mean, there was that story of the uh, Mary... What's her name? Letourneau, Mary Louise Letourneau. Uh, anyway, a teacher in America oh, yes. in the 90s, I think it was, who got she pregnant. She married the guy in question, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, but she got married by, uh, she, she got pregnant by her, her high school student. And then she went to jail. And then she came out and they... They got married. Yeah. And they're still together, I do believe. Um, however, yeah, this situation specifically, he's now saying... Uh, the the actor, the young actor who's now 22 years old, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it was the fact that Asia Argento was outspoken regarding her experiences with Harvey Weinstein that made him go, wait a minute, yeah. I have a bone to pick here. And he said that his shame resurfaced and he'd kept it secret and he couldn't process it. And I mean, I guess it's a case-by-case situation. One person at age 17 is going to be a lot less or more mature than another person at age 17. It, pen- it depends where the power is, doesn't it? If one is significantly more powerful than the other, that's not a relationship. No. And he's not saying it's a relationship. He was saying he was sexually assaulted. He is actually saying he yeah. was assaulted. Yeah. But then there's that selfie of them looking, you know, mellow yellow. They both look pretty happy. I. Yeah, you're giving say me a the, look. Say the men that we tend to criticize. I know, do you know what I mean? I know. It's, just, it's so, I guess it's just human nature. And yeah. here's the other thing. We need to get rid of this idea that every man who has a relationship with a school teacher when they're a kid... Hot for teacher. ...is hot for teacher. You get female abusers, same as you get male abusers. And I think sometimes that kind of, uh, oh, get in there, my son, yeah. stops people who don't feel that way about what happened to them from coming forward because they feel like in some way... 
one, they're ashamed of what happened to them and they're ashamed of their reaction to it and they know how people are going to respond. So why why bring that on themselves, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting when you do look at, uh, statistically, it is going to be more m- men in power who are abusing that power by sexually harassing and worse uh, people within their purlieu. But the women who do do that tend to be teachers. Although, uh, do we hear it so much with actresses? This is kind of an unusual situation. She, Incidentally, she was playing his mother. Ooh. Is that another interesting yeah. twist to the yeah. story? Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, it's just, um, I just found, you know, I feel bad for him. I feel like I should believe him. Yeah. The way I should believe female victims that come forward. Right. And the fact that that happened to him, if it did happen to him, it happened to him. Let's just say, all right, the fact that that happened to him doesn't mean that what happened to her didn't happen. No, for sure. Although so why, I don't does, understand why I feel like there's a struggle there. I guess there's a struggle because... The, she's been speaking up for victims. Yeah, and she's guilty of the same thing. So it does tend to diminish her credibility, doesn't it? Even though... What happened to her was awful. Yeah, it's a food chain of... I mean, it is the classic thing. People who are abused can be abusers in turn as well. Or can people who misjudge a situation... <laughs> Well, you're saying she misjudged the well, situation. But, well, but she, then, we know. I mean, there's way, there's a consensus that Harvey Weinstein is uh, fiddly diddly. God, yeah. I mean, he's got form, but yeah. that doesn't mean that doesn't diminish what happened to this man. No, it's that that back and forth of it. Yeah. Well, it makes her it makes her an unreliable narrator, is what it does. Well, unfortunately. Yeah. But I mean, the ball is well and truly rolling on the Harvey Weinstein situation. Um. But it certainly makes forces us all, forcing you and me, to look at nuances because um, it's all too easy just to go, oh, well, you know, all men are predators and the poor ladies, yeah. they're all victims. And it, it doesn't really and, you know, stack if, up like that. If a school that. teacher falls in love with a student, it's because she's a romantic fool because that's how women are brought up, you know, thinking mm-hmm. that they, it's it's all about taking care of people and maybe, you know, maybe that's what it was and poor them. Mm, no, I think, you know, we've got to wake up to the idea that you, abuse doesn't really, doesn't matter what um, body parts you have. You can be an abuser of either well, gender. It's also... There's also, I think there's probably a little bit of the psychology of someone who's drawn to the role of a mentor, not a mentor, but a, a, you know, someone who wants to be in charge of molding, of warping young minds. Um, It can be entirely altruistic and um, harmless, or it can have sinister connotations. Mm. And maybe some people, but, you know, we're talking about actors here so that's a whole different kettle of fish you're talking about i mean it's such a but it, what, 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 flaky profession yeah. anyway and the, but the reason we got to that is you know the position of power if you're senior if you're old if you're that much older the onus is on you isn't it to be the grown-up and this is not the point at all but i just have to do a little sidebar on yuck how is a teenage boy at all interesting to a beautiful woman in her 30s like bleh yeah not interested no and yet and and yet i I don't know a teenage beautiful teenage girl seems to be quite interesting to a number of um 
very accomplished, intelligent men I know personally. Is it because women are supposed to be beyond that kind of thing? Uh, just straight up carnal desire. Carnal desire. But I just don't find a little tadpole human being desirable. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's, you know, a, adorable work in progress. Yeah, I look at them and see a kid. Yeah, a child. Yeah. A, ch- a child is not going to get my, you know, f- fluff my rough. Anyway. We don't know what we're saying with this, but we're just kind of chewing it over. If you want to contribute to this, please do give us a ring. Maybe you can just bring a bit of clarity to it, but it's just... Uh, or share a story, share yeah, an experience. for sure. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. We'd um, really appreciate hearing from you tonight. Let's talk to Tony. Hi, Tony. Tony, you're on. Yeah, I am. Uh, Hi. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll be sorry. It's not nice. Right, okay, Tony. I'm sorry. Um, so what do do about it? Do you phone the police or do you do what? I don't really know. Right. Because a baby when it happened, a 67-year-old. Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that, Tony. Listen, um, can we... Do you, you've, you've phoned us before, haven't you? I thought um, Ian said that we weren't um, talking... No, I've never you. phoned you before because I'm, I'm in it now, right online. Right. So, this is bad. Yeah, of course it's bad, but can I be honest? Yeah. It sounds like you've had a few. No, no, no. I'll put you on to me. I'm not having a few at all. Well, you speak to me, you speak to me when you say that. Okay. But you can't do it any other way. But just to be quite honest, yeah, yeah, I've had a few. But I say something, the words come out. When you're drunk, they can come out, don't they? Yeah. And yes. But we're having a conversation you won't remember. So how about you give us a ring tomorrow when you're sober? Okay. All right. All thanks, right. Tony. Let's talk to Alan Caddick instead. Hi, Alan. Hi, girls. Hi. Hi. Uh, what did you want to say, Alan? Well, I'm, I'm definitely sober. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's always helpful. Yeah, because one thing I can't say, that's a drunk caller. I find them so annoying. Well, it can be challenging, put it that way, but I also don't think it's fair having a conversation with someone who's not going to remember it, and especially if they want to talk about something this sensitive. But anyway, let's talk about you, Alan Caddy. What, what have you been up to today? Well, I've been doing, doing some surfing online, looking at the winners of the Edinburgh TV Awards. Oh, yeah. And Channel of the Year, I was surprised, but Channel 5 got it. Wow. I thought IGB would have been a showing this year. Hmm. So who was behind these awards? It was brought to you by YouTube and BT. Right. Well, interesting. And so is it the popular vote thing? Maybe Channel 5 publicised it more than everyone else. No, because the industry bigwigs. Ah, right. So it must mean that Channel 5 is simply the best. Yeah, and best specialist channel, Children's BBC. Okay, well, I can see I that. Mean, 30 odd years ago, it was just an afternoon strand on BBC One. This is all true, Alan Caddick, but things have changed, and thank goodness they have. Although, I say that, I wish that television programmes for children were restricted to an hour and a half like they used to be when I was a kid, because I don't get to watch what I want to at home, ever. Oh, no. I mean, I remember coming home from school on a weekday afternoon, four o'clock, putting children's ITV on and watching Tickle on the Tom. Do you know what? I remember that too. Well, 
Remington Map movie we ought to do an album remembering TV shows. Yeah, no. Thanks, Alan. 0344 499 You're listening to Talk Radio. Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. You can ring us on 0344-499-1000. You can tweet at Talk Radio or at Flipping Kath, that's me, no G, uh, and at Katie Pockrick. Or you can send us a message, uh, text us 87222, just put talk at the beginning, and that'll cost you 25p per message on top of your standard network rate. I've had a tweet through from Lino who says, I was Team Argento till this all blew up. And then she claimed it was her late boyfriend who paid this guy off. What? Yeah. And that was the chef Bourdain, wasn't it? Her, her late boyfriend. Oh. Yeah. Anthony Bourdain was uh-huh. her boy. So he paid. So that was the shakedown letter? Apparently. That he was paying off. Wait. So did the, did the kid or the young man as he now is, he sent a letter asking for money? Well, this is, this is all rumor. And this is the, one of the many problems I have with it is yeah. that, you know, we talk about trial by media. And also this woman has threatened a really, really, really high-powered media executive yes who has is known for being furious and devious yeah. not only him his family his associates there are a lot of people worried that people are listening to this woman too much it's not inconceivable that this is a setup but we shouldn't even be thinking like that really if if a young person is saying an older person took advantage of yeah. them in the worst possible way i love how we we're straight in there i love how we're having our cake and eating it i too. know i know we're casting all the aspersions but still going oh but you know but we shouldn't think that <laughs> but you know what i mean it's really yeah. it's difficult it's really difficult i mean God, nothing compared to what they're going through but yeah yeah it's just really uh when someone has stuck their neck out for victims like that yeah well maybe she didn't i mean here's the other thing Maybe she didn't know he was 17. I mean, he could have been 17 and, you know, nine months or something. Like he was just turned 17. He just turned 17. All right. All right. But what I'm saying is she, if she just didn't know, she just didn't know. And I mean, still it's creepy to me. Totally unfeasible. Why are you bleh, you know, fooling around with a fetus? But, um, that is her bad judgment. Um, but yeah, if she didn't know, then she didn't think she was doing something. It's called plausible deniability, and at least that's what that's what the the, the Trump administration used for their defense. Fake news, but it's also called same bullshit that men have been saying for years and years, and yeah. we've and we've stopped listening to them when they talk like that. So. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Well, Here's the revelation: maybe things aren't cut and dry all the time. Yeah, it's gray, shades of gray, more than fifty. Let's have a word. Is this Joseph? Hello. Hello. Who's that? Joseph, can you hear me? Yeah, it's Joseph, but they've spelt your name, Josepe. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Pig Latin. <laughs> anyway, nice to speak to you, Joseph. Tell me what you rang me for. Okay, well, first of all, I'd like to say, I've never heard you on the radio before. Do you know who's spent in the show? Sorry? I've, no, I normally co-present. I can't hear you very well. Are you on speakerphone? No, I'm on normal phone. Can you not hear me? No, you sound like you're talking through a toilet tube. Oh, uh... Hello, any better? Do, speak again. Is that any better? Yeah, much. Yeah, that's better. Keep your mouth oh, okay, there. Thank you. Okay, well, thanks for taking my call first. I do appreciate hey, that. No problem. Um, um, yeah, I just want to say, you know the issue that's going on with um, Asia Argento? Yes. That's her name. I think, first of all, I don't think it can be, you know, trial by select public opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about it, but I think it's always dangerous to do that. But 
It's like, you know, and Brendan Cox. Yeah. He did a lot of good work after Jill Cox, um, Joe Cox, sorry, was murdered. Mm. But yet when they found out that he had been misbehaving or whatever, it's like he was dragged through the mud straight away. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost like with her, I don't think just because she has probably done some good work with the Me Too movement, that she should be above a fair investigation to see whether these accusations are true. Right. Because if they are true, then they are pretty bad. Because you know what you said about it? Like, um, if she said that, oh, she didn't know how old he was, it's like, it's, it's true what you just said now. It's like a lot of guys say that about girls all the time. Yeah. But when you're that age, you can tell when someone's young. Like, 17-year-old guys are so, like, I mean, I was 17 once, and at that age, you're so immature. Right. You can't, even if you look older, you generally don't behave older, like, mm. still, like a kid. Yeah. It's all like, you know, the, but, you know, we're assuming they were having conversations. Maybe they weren't, but I, I would be able to tell. I think I'm a pretty good judge of how old someone is. I certainly know they're not my age. Yeah. Yeah, and you could look and think, well, this is 17. It's not saying that like 21 is like 17. It's well, I, I mean, the it. other thing is that he... But 21 would still be too young for me, to be well, honest. Well, here's the other point, you guys, is that he was cast as her son. Mm. So wow. that will tip anyone off. Like, hey, someone's cast as my child. He's probably around the age of someone who'd be my child, i.e. not old enough to screw around with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Probably, yeah, I guess it's quite surprising that she'd be attracted to him, but hey, to each their own. Yeah, but right. Would that affect her input on the Harvey Weinstein investigation, then? It shouldn't. Should, Should it? it be treated as... I don't know, because you just think her character's going to be called into question. But I don't know. Someone can be abused and and not be... Um, I mean, if the crimes were committed, they were committed. So it doesn't... Like, yeah. one crime does not cancel out another crime. And just because you're abused doesn't mean that you um, live your life as a saint. People still can make mistakes that are unrelated to what happened. But, that's, that's a fair point. I sort of want to ask you one more question. Do yeah, you think on. this would be treated the same way as if a man did it? See, that's that's why I'm kind of I wanted to talk about it tonight because I feel like part of me, the 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 gut reaction I had was different than it would have been with a man, and I I'm asking myself why mm-hmm. and trying to correct myself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you because I don't think it will be. I think most of the time, if it was a girl that was a young woman, that's that's don't get me wrong, it'd be disgusting that someone shouldn't do it. But it's almost like because it's a guy, most people say, well, I'm sure the guy wanted it. Yeah. Or he encouraged yeah. it. They won't yeah. take it seriously. Yeah. And of course, that, that's not true. You know, blokes can yeah. be abused the same as women can. It doesn't happen as often. Maybe we're not primed to, um, to maybe we're not primed to understand it as easily. But it happens, you know. And I think that people coming out with this kind of, you know, for get in there, my son, I should be so lucky. And there will be people talking like that. You know, there will be. That doesn't help people who've gone through it and have been holding it inside and not um, daring to to talk to anyone about it because it doesn't help them because they're already wrestling with their emotions over it. And knowing that society doesn't get it makes it even less likely they're going to come forward, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's very unlikely that young guys that are abused, you know, especially between the age of like 15 or whatever around there. I don't think they're, they're very unlikely to admit it because it would be almost embarrassing for them as well to say that because a lot of other people wouldn't understand that they could be abused. Yeah. They see it all as a good thing and it's all fun and games when it's not always the case. Yeah. So it's a really tricky one. Really tricky yeah, one. It is. And I guess you have to wait and see what outcome is. But I don't know. I'm not an expert. I just want to give my two pence. Well, I'm, gla- I'm glad you did, Joseph. Thanks for ringing. 
Thank you. Thanks. I like your shirt, actually, by the way. Keep up. Thank you. <laughs> thanks very much. Thanks. I'll keep it up for two more nights, and then we're going to go back to the usual. But thanks very much, Joseph. No, no thank you. Cheers, Ed. Bye. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Well, no, we're saying it's tricky. Maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe it's just a victim is a victim is a victim. Yeah, yeah. We're probably making a mountain out of a molehill or something. Yeah. It is, I mean, the thing that makes it so newsworthy is that it's it's the, her. It's the accuser getting accused. Yeah. If you want to give us a ring, 0344 499 1000. You can tweet at Talk Radio or you can text Talk and your message to 87222. Um, and that'll cost you 25p per message on top of your standard network rate. We've come in really heavy there and we don't have to stick to that. We can talk about whatever you want. Um, I'm looking at what I've um, written down on my piece of paper for discussion tonight. I've got Good Samaritans. No such thing as too good looking, nightmare landlords, Twitter space cadet, uh, silent school, professional spooner. Oh. The professional spooner. I, I, that's what I'm going to do for, um, for a little moonlighting job, I think. Well, you could earn £45,000 per year, apparently. I'm in. Right? Married mum of three, earns £45,000 a year, spooning complete strangers as a professional cuddler. Now, what are her qualifications? Just just affection, I guess. Jessica O'Neill cuddles people for £46 an hour. That seems cheap. I, that's totally cheap because that's less than a dollar a minute massages that you get at the airport. Yeah. That's a deal. It is. £46 an hour. Does that include transportation? <laughs> that you've got to get yourself there. Yeah. No, they come to her at her studio. She doesn't go to you. I think oh. maybe call-outs are more expensive. I don't know. But um, I wouldn't want the, the cut, my cuddlies to know where my HQ. Well, she is. has a, she has a studio. I guess she's okay. not inviting them home. Right, uh, and she claims most of her clients are men over the age of thirty-five. A mum of three who rakes in eight hundred and sixty pounds a week from spooning strangers has opened up about life as a professional cuddler. Jessica O'Neill began professional cuddling six months ago, according to the Mirror, and could soon earn could all right, guys. So, she, right. so she's right. not. Uh, earn up to £45,000 a year by cuddling strangers at her uh, studio on the Gold Coast. The 35-year-old, who has spent a decade being a massage therapist and counsellor, has only recently introduced cuddle therapy to her treatment list. Ah, right, okay, so it's not quite what we thought it was. Cuddle therapy. You know you know who would be all over that is our caller, Jasmine, because she always is great with the entrepreneurial oh, idea is, and yeah. running with it. She is, and she- I cannot wait to hear how she's going to um, extend all of our vision. Without glasses. Yeah, because that was last night. Yeah. Um, sorry, I uh, went off the track there. But uh, so she's she's already used to touching people. Yeah, and talking to them. And so I'm guessing that she doesn't just like, hug them in silence. So it's cuddle therapy. She claims the cuddles, which start at £46 an hour, oh. help people suffering loneliness and depression to feel loved, valued and cared about. Yeah. By I, someone they're paying to love, value and care about. No, them, but, but it, it does. It has a great effect to be hugged. Oh, God, yeah. But I prefer a, a free hug from someone who wants to hug me. But still, this, the oxy... What's it called? Oxytocin. I'm gonna, oxytocin. I was going to say something else that was probably like an opioid. Oxycontin. Um, yeah, Oxycontin. I get those two mixed up, and that's why I have a prison sentence. <laughs> that's why I have an ankle bracelet on. But uh, yeah, the serotonin, the dopamine, I mean, that will flow no matter how light your wallet now is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? Some days you do just want to cuddle, don't you? Yeah. Now, does I, I want to know the logistics. Does she come in from behind? Is she the main, the big spoon? Because if you're the little spoon, you might get a surprise in your backside. <laughs> oh my God. If you're really good at your job. Well, the pictures we've got, it's standard cuddling um, 
procedure. So she's front facing on. Oh, she's front facing. That's a hug. Yeah, it's a hug with a child. That's not spooning. No, I know. I think it may be a bit of license from the mirror. I think this is a. Look, there's her. Cuddling okay. a kid. I mean, I think, I'm mean, i assuming these are her children because my kids are not paying me for cuddles. Maybe I'm missing a trick here. <laughs> so here we go. Cuddle therapy with Jessica starts at $80 an hour for strictly cuddles in the studio while hugs and counselling cost £63 per session. For those longing for the blissful combination of caffeine and cuddles, a friendship-style session of drinking coffee followed by cuddles will set you back $86. No, no, no. I cannot submit and surrender to a cuddle with caffeine running around my no. system. I need cocoa and cuddles. Jessica said most of her clients are men over the age of 35, but revealed she has a growing number of middle-aged women seeking cuddles nice. too. That'd be me. She also, she also claimed the Gold Coast is a bit far. Where is that? In, uh, South Africa or something? Australia. Or? Oh, Australia. Okay. She also claims there are younger men coming in for cuddles due to experiencing loneliness and disconnection in the digital age. What about, this is something for our caller Jasmine to get going on in Switzerland when she gets, you know, turns her eyeglasses, her eye um, exercises into a billion dollar industry, which is to do kind of an app for people who want cuddles to connect people oh. who want cu- cuddles. And you find out, you know, are you in the same postcode, you, you know, same neighborhood, meet you outside Waterloo Station for a hug. Well, isn't that what? Isn't that what Grinder is? Oh. Okay. It's a hug with added extras. Yeah, I guess people can already do that. I'm so, <laughs> I, I guess I'm just so out of touch that I'm inventing things that have already been invented. No, I don't, I don't think there's much hugging on Grinder or Tinder, unfortunately. But maybe, yeah, maybe this is the place. Maybe this is the thing that does need inventing. I think, I don't want to, I don't want to dissuade you. This could, don't give it to Jasmine. Why don't you, um, do this app? I think. I think it's something I could do. You could. Uh, but do I have to give the hugs? No. Here's the thing. She wants to give those hugs. Like, that's the unusual part. I mean, it's not unusual to want a hug, but to be somebody who just wants to hug a whole bunch of different people. Yeah, but if you've been massa- if you've been oiling people up for years, yeah. I guess a hug is kind of the She's sanitized been, version of it. That's right. She doesn't have to lube up, and she doesn't, you know, no one needs to get undressed. No. It's just a, a friendly hug and she says that most clients are well behaved before we start our sessions we do meditation to connect on the spiritual level then the clients will sit on a chair while we sit by their feet and we have a little chat about why they've reached out for cuddle therapy everyone has a totally different story but the most common factors are loneliness depression isolation and anxiety all of them just have that desire to connect with someone get a dog oh yeah there is that if an awkward situation does arrive, I assertively direct the client with no embarrassment of, or further issue. We often have sex addicts or porn addicts come in seeking therapy. It really helps them connect to their bodies in a healthy way. Hmm. She says her husband, Jason, 34, has been there for her since day one and is very supportive and understanding of her career. She says Jason is very supportive and understanding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, like, I like how they had to qualify that. I know, no, she says he's very supportive and understanding. But then the quote is, she said Jason is very supportive and completely gets it. He loves what I do and thinks it's really beautiful. I, I imagine he's not got that much of a choice, really. Well, if she's bringing home the cuddle dollars. Plus, if she's been... I'm going to go back to it. If she's been oiling people up for years, yeah, cuddling them surely is no bigger of a deal if it's, he's cool with that. And why shouldn't he be cool with that? I'm sure she's purely professional. I'm not casting any aspersions. Gatford, would you pay to be cuddled? 
I don't, I don't like the idea. No. I'm not, I've, I remember um, shortly after the July 7th bombings, I was working in an office that was all female apart from me. And one of the, the ladies there, her sister was in the area but wasn't connected. And she burst out crying because she was worried. None of the girls in the office went anywhere near her. And I kind of sort of patted her on the shoulder because I, I really wanted to give her a hug. She was really vulnerable at the moment at that time. But I didn't feel it was appropriate, and I couldn't ask her because she was bawling her eyes out. Yeah. So I couldn't exactly say to her, would you like a hug? It wouldn't have been. But I really felt that she needed it. Yeah. But I felt, and I, 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 I work mostly around women, so I don't feel, I, like, I wouldn't necessarily accept a hug off one of them, and I would never do it without asking, and it would really have to be an exceptional circumstance. Yeah, I don't course. think it's appropriate. But I did see the interview this morning on, on um, GMTV, whatever it's called, or Good Morning, where Lady Campbell, whatever her name is, said that it's close to prostitution, giving or selling hugs for money. Well, first of all, she does like to exaggerate. She's yeah. never been backward in coming forward and then um, pole vaulting a, a, a little shop. bit further on. Yeah, and she's yeah. making the money out of that. But is it is it prostitution? Yeah, is it being a, a sex worker? Is it a worker? sex work? No, because there's no sex involved, is there? No, there's no... It, the problem is... It's intimate. I would be honest, as a younger man... I would always misinterpret a hug as something else. Not sex, but I would always think, oh, that person likes me. Yeah. As you get older, you realise it's got nothing to do with that. Um, but you would still, you probably still enjoy it more than the woman would as a man, I suppose. Or you might think there was something more in it than a, than a woman would. Well, even if you're paying someone on the basis that it's a therapy. <sighs> I don't think I would see, see, personally, I don't see the benefit in that sort of therapy. No. So I don't know how I would feel. So you're not you're telling me that there aren't some days where you think, God, oh, I really could do with a hug from someone. Of course. Yeah. But I don't feel that my work colleagues are appropriate no. for that. And I don't know that I'd want to pay. But I don't think that's because I think it's wrong. It's just that I don't think that would be a worthwhile investment of my money to get from listen people pay to have hot cups put on their backs and pins stuck in them yeah sure. so who am i to argue if a hug yeah. makes them feel better i just know that a hug isn't really a hug unless it's freely given in in my mind you know i think there therein lies the, the, the as you say i think the intent behind it and the comfort that you get from somebody actually recognizing that you needed it is far much more than the physical act of putting your arms around someone yeah oh well put oh gary Oh, Come you. here, you big lug. Come here. Well, no, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, very kind of you to offer. Oh, uh, well. But, uh, but then it goes into this other story that you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, I've been reading a little bit about this one. He wasn't just, she wasn't just playing his mother. She was a prostitute mother in that film. Oh. So it darkens it a little bit in the sense of there was an, in a, I mean, obviously it's a film. We yeah. understand that. And she's an actress. And she's an actress. And he was an actor. Yeah despite the fact he was 17, 16, 17 at the time. But that just makes it slightly more guarded for me. But then I read a bit that Ashley Judd said in the press, she said, sex exploitation is wrong at all levels. Mm. It, and it is. It doesn't matter whether... And there is a case of where you could say, well, it happened to her, why was she then doing it to someone else? And there are similarities in the way that she said she felt she couldn't speak out because of who the previous person was, and now he said that. Mm. So there are similarities, but it, it's, it doesn't matter, as you said, it doesn't, it doesn't make anything righter or wronger. It's just all wrong. No. And I think also we've got to forget the fact that the person accused of the abuse in this situation is a very, very attractive woman. 
Yeah. Because I think there is another... Well, oh, yeah, what Weinstein a- did is completely different from what anyone has done, actually, yeah. so far in this sort of Me sort Too of, thing. He's, I mean, he he's an just, Olympiad just, contender. Yeah. Just over and over again. He's like the, the poster boy now for that. He's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, so, but, you know, he also looks like a monster. So it's it suits everyone, yeah. doesn't it, to think the very worst. I, I mean, I, I'm just saying, rightly or wrongly, and I think we know it's right, the fact that he looks like that doesn't help. Um, no, true. But you know for a fact that there will be people looking at her and going, for lucky lad, get in there, my son. But that's the, that's, that's the unfortunate culture. Is I remember there was a story in the press a couple of years ago about, about a high school football player in America that slept with his teacher. Yeah. And instead of it being like, that's terrible, most of the press was like, get in there, my son. Yeah. And it's like, no, don't, no, you don't get it. It, you don't understand. It's part of the same, and I'm going to use the the term, and some people will be annoyed by it, but it, it works, right? Toxic yeah. masculinity. The same thing that means that men can't complain when they feel lonely or yeah. when they feel overwhelmed by things, because blokes don't do that, right? So mm. a bloke doesn't turn down a hot woman, even if the bloke is, you know, a kid. Yeah. It's still no, there. It doesn't help, does it? That is true. Yeah. So it's just a real t- real tangle, this one, isn't it? It is. And I'm going to break the code. I'm going to turn down both of you. Thank you very much and good night. How very dare you? <laughs> I need to put the phone down. Wow. Firm. Firm but fair. I kind of like the cut of his jib. 03444991000 if you want to give us a ring. We'd love to hear from you. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. You never know just where the conversation will take you on Talk Radio. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. If you want to get involved, um, an hour of someone hugging you. This is a really good point, actually. Thanks for this, James. Um, he's tweeted this. An hour of someone hugging you seems a long time to me. Oh, an hour. Yeah, it could feel awkward, couldn't it? Yeah. Okay. That's that's a great point. I would rather have a, a dollar a minute massage <laughs> in that case. Yeah, an hour. Unless it's kind and, of- and also you pay extra for the talking bit. So an hour of silent hugging. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you have I wonder to... at what point you do the pat, pat, pat release mechanism thing. Yeah, yeah. We're indicating that this scenario is coming to a conclusion. <sighs> yeah. Also, Travis says, I'd turn down a hot woman because I go what's inside. If she's not nice inside, I'm not interested. I don't care how pretty she is. Right I on. don't. So I don't. Um, I'm different to most men. No, we're not saying that all men are like that. We're saying that that is the toxic masculinity narration of it. Uh, narrative is that you would, you know, there's something wrong with you if you don't want it from a hot yeah. woman. No, I'm absolutely not saying that, Travis. But thanks very much for your tweet anyway. Yeah. Um, if you want to send us a tweet, you can do it via uh, at Talk Radio, at Flipping Cath, at Katie Puckrick, and that will cost you nothing. Um, or you can text Talk and your message to 87222, and that will cost you 25p per message on top of your standard network rate. Think before you tweet, though, I think is always a good maxim. And if you are going to be cheeky or have a little bit of cheeky fun with someone, check their bio before you leap in, especially if you're going to be using some strong sexual swear words, right? Right. And that's less catchy and it's harder to sew on a bookmark, but it's something you need to think about, right? Yeah, a little research. Here's why. NASA intern, this is in the Mail Online, a NASA intern who unwittingly told a legendary space expert to suck my D and B's on Twitter, is fired. A woman has lost her internship at NASA following a vulgar series of tweets in which she unwittingly told a senior space advisor to 
suck my D and B's just after she was accepted for the job. Are, are you doing the censoring? Well, no, they've put um, asterisks and I can't possibly think what a D and B's might yeah, be, okay. except it's B, asterisk, 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 S. I think that might be balls. <laughs> um, a now deleted thread began when Twitter user Naomi H celebrated her acceptance onto NASA's competitive internship program with a profanity-laden post. <laughs> and she's writing in capitals, and that was her opener. <laughs> she's an idiot already. Everyone even... shut the F up. I got accepted to a NASA for a NASA internship, she wrote. And this is all in caps. Yeah. Her tweet got a response from Homer Hickam, a former NASA engineer and member of the National Space Council, who wrote, language. Oh, God. Oh, dear. So... What did she say? Na- Naomi, who claims to be 21 years old, then replied, Suck my D and B's. I'm working at NASA. But the boorish intern was left red-faced when Hickam responded, And I'm on the National Space Council that oversees NASA. <laughs> oh, my God. Her online friends then replied to Hickam with insulting tweets and included the hashtag NASA, God, which brought it to the attention of the space agency. Oh, no. Hickam, so thanks, thanks, mates, for making the situation far worse. So I was going to ask if she'd already put the hashtag NASA in there, but she, she hadn't. She did start that. Her mates well, piled then, in. How did Hickam know about it? The language monitor maybe fr- he was, from the Space Council. Maybe he's got one of those um, Twitter alerts. A Twitter alert for anything to do with NASA. NASA. He's on it. He's totally on it, and, right. which is why he's risen to the heady heights of... Um, the Space Council. The Space Council. Hickam later said in a blog post that he learned that the unnamed intern had been fired by NASA, who saw her tweets following their exchange, and he sympathised with her. Oh. The NASA legend has revealed he's doing all he can to help Naomi secure a future in the aerospace sector. Really? That is better than the opportunity she lost. What a nice blow. Okay, he's nice. I need more information on this, because, number one, I just think she's a moron. Like, what? what is her judgment like? That she... She's obviously smart enough and has the capability. She's got the right stuff to get accepted by NASA. I don't know what her internship was for, though. Well, I... Does well, it say anything about that? No, it doesn't. Okay. But he's trying to get her a better opportunity than that one. And an internship generally is not paid, is it? So... Well, it's not paid, but you, you, you can't be... You know, you have to be vaguely interested in that field oh, and have some expertise in that field. So why did she let her invo- inside voice come out? Because people do. And Twitter. I mean, she's feeling jubilant. She's feeling jubilant. Sweary. But also, yeah, yeah, she's so. And he did recognize that he was the trigger for her losing her internship. I think there's some of that. 75 year old said he didn't personally complain to NASA before the woman was stripped of her offer and he never intended to get into trouble. He blamed her friends for her dismissal, claiming they spread the exchange on social media long after he deleted his tweets for fear of getting her into trouble. What a man. It's not known where in America Naomi lives, but she identifies... Right, this is completely irrelevant, um, but it is the Daily Mail, so what do you expect? Uh Uh-oh. So... Where do we go with this? That's a nice exchange. Someone trying to do something nice for someone who's made a mistake, right? Right. So let's dig a bit further. It's not known where she lives, but she identifies as a furry, a subculture who enjoy dressing up as cartoon-inspired animals. (laughs) I learned she... Now back to the facts. Uh, I learned she'd lost her offer for an internship with NASA, he wrote in a post on his website Tuesday. This had I had nothing to do with, nor could I, since I do not hire and fire at the agency or have any say on employment whatsoever. As it turned out, it was due to the NASA hashtag, of course it was, her friends used, that called the agency's attention to it long after my comments were gone. 
For what it's worth, I want to extend Naomi my deepest condolences for having this opportunity torn away from her by an old chud. What's a chud? Oh, he's calling himself names. What's a chud? chud? I don't know. Is that something? Is that like taint? (laughs) I don't know. I'm looking at chud. Now, I guess someone who would come up with um, language wouldn't call himself something like a taint, would he? Oh, well, Urban, be as, as Urban, old... Urban Dictionary says it means uh, there was a film in 1984 called Chud, Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dweller. Sounds like one of our talk radio topics. <laughs> it, it is now used to describe ugly, stupid people. Oh, he's, so he's being self... Oh, deprecating. Yeah. Oh, I he, like him. Oh, I like him, even though he lost to her internship. Yeah, old Chud. The old chud. I'm interested in um, the link between really smart people and eccentric hobbies. So she's a she's yeah, a furry. Right, I know about furries because we were going to do a documentary about them at one point. And it can be sexual or it can be completely innocent. It's people that get a kick out of dressing up, you know, in their sort of mascot costumes. Uh, yeah. And sometimes it does get sexy. Yeah, the mas- uh, that's... You know what's funny is when I was in high school... And uh, I was not interested in trying to be a cheerleader. I was not interested in sports. But I did love the idea of dressing up as our mascot, which was a cougar. (laughs) (laughs) Meow. Uh, So, yeah, it is sort of sweet. You know, ears and tails. Ears and tails. And you're, you know, um, but there is there is a there is a sort of subgenre of porn that's involved with this thing as well. So. Yeah. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Shouldn't make any difference. She made a mistake on Twitter, and that's what the point is, surely. Well, uh, okay, sorry, you were going to go on. Was no, it's all right. No, I'm done. Oh, because I was going to say, um, there's a famous rocket scientist um, who uh, um, was in on the, the ground of developing rocket jet propulsion, uh-huh. uh, and this was in the 1950s, 1960s, and his sideline was um, uh, sex magic. So that that's what he got up to. Right. Is that sex magic with a K at the end? Yeah, with a K in the end. And I, I can't and I'm desperately looking up on Wikipedia to see. I think his name is Jack Roberts or something like that. Anyways, a rocket scientist who um was working for Caltech and he was um by day blowing things up and developing things that would help the space program and by night going back to his communal home staffed with lots of men and women who enjoyed intimate relations with one another and but also enhanced by magical spells oh magical spells and he got together first he got together with his wife and then he sort of traded her in for his wife's sister and then quite interestingly the man who founded scientology got on board with this cult with this community um l ron hubbard l ron hubbard so he moved in as well and alistair crowley used to come over from england and kind of give them seminars on how to up their magic skills and then it turns out L. Ron Hubbard ran off with the wife's girlfriend and stole the money from this wow. rocket scientist. It's a movie it's waiting to be made for sure. Wow. So the idea is that, that during sex, at the point of like orgasm, whatever, you're, you're most magic. Yeah, the most magic. Like you have to link it all up. You have to like get, get, line up, get your ducks in a row. Get get your boys at the ready. Right. And, and then you can like pull a rabbit out. Pull a rabbit out. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know what any of those metaphors mean, but uh it yeah, you have to make sure that everything is uh it, it's a bit like rocket science, you know, you can't go for blast off. You can't go for a blast off until you light that fuse. <laughs> 
I mean, the way you say it sounds totally legit, Katie. Totally legit. Oh, but my point in bringing that up, other than just speaking salaciously as I so enjoy to, you know, <laughs> while maintaining a, a, a false veneer of innocence about the whole thing. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> Is that... Uh, his day job people are like, yeah, Jack, you know, he's a colorful character, but he's great. He's a great scientist, so we don't care what yeah. he gets up to. So NASA uh, probably did overlook her enjoyment of dressing up in bright day glow fun fur, but then thought it's a bridge too far. As when long she's- as she's not doing it anywhere that would could set her on fire, because those things are highly flammable. Uh, they it's are highly blend. flammable. Who cares? Who cares? It's not going to interfere with her work I, unless, as I say, she needs to be able to put her face quite close to something without getting the snout in the way. Yeah. Hey, Andy. Hey, Carl. How are you doing? You all, all right? right? Thanks. Yeah. Nice to hear from Good you. What do you want to say? Thank you. And it's lovely to speak to you too. It's just nice to have you back, you know. Um, the last two weeks I haven't been the same without you. Uh, thanks very much. Can, can you believe that's blinning Katie put Craig? I know. That's you know, honestly, oh, like when I was 15 years old, you know, but I don't want to go too far on that, but <laughs> Katie, Katie Blimmin put Crick. Yes, she's here, talk to her. I'm, I'm here. Know, I'm too shy. Oh, uh, you're I'm not too like... shy. You're not too shy. <laughs> you're you're off and running. What, what did you, what would you have Katie said to me when you were 15? You and you were <laughs> so if you could talk to me, uh, what would your 15 year, year old self say to me? And keep it oh, clean. You, yeah, no, I can't. Not right. at this time of day. Not okay. At this time of day. All right. Um, Let's leave that aside. It's you know. Can, can I have a friendship hug now? Are we allowed to do that? For forty six dollars. Uh, not for an hour though. I'm busy. Oh yeah, not for an hour. We yeah, we can have a friendship hug. We can do a is virtual that inc- one. Is that including VAT? Yeah, it is. Okay, uh, that's good then. That's good. <laughs> so, oh, Katie, blimmin' quick. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Listen, Kath, I'm off to Annie's tomorrow. Oh, lucky you. So, I thought I'd give you a call and just ask before I went, what do you recommend? Oh, I had the sea bass and it was gorgeous. Oh. But I'm, a, I'm a bit of a fish fiend anyway. Yeah. And then when, when we, we went the next day and we went for brunch and I had, what did I have? Uh, like Eggs Benedict or something. Or it oh. might be called Eggs Royale because it had salmon. I was gorgeous. You can't go wrong. Did you see the afternoon teas? Were they any good? I saw them. and There were some very drunk um, hens eating them in the corner mm. of the room. They looked like they were happy, but I don't know whether that was more to do with the copious amounts of booze involved. Maybe that's well, what you have to do as well. Uh, you know, that, well, I'm going up for pride, so there might be copious amounts of alcohol involved as well. But, you know, I'll try to stay sober enough to remember how it tastes. Oh, it's so good. Enjoy. So what's the plan then for pride? Uh, this, well, I'm going up tomorrow. I've not booked my train ticket yet, so I'm getting a little bit anxious, getting a little bit like, oh, God, what am I doing? What am I doing? But then um, I'm meeting a friend for dinner tomorrow night. Saturday night is Pete Tong. Sunday night is Samantha Mumba. Oh, yeah. Samantha Mumba. Um, and Angie Brown from Bizarre Inc. Brilliant. And then Monday is Lucy Spraggan who I, you know, I adore. Yes. Um, I found out that Piff the Magic Dragon, if you know who I mean. I think I do. Is over from America um, doing a show at the Comedy Store. So I'm hoping to get along to that. And then diving back onto Canal Street and whatnot to go clubbing to end of the Monday night. Well, I mean, you're not as young as you used to be, so take it easy. But have a a wonderful time. I'd like to hear all about it. Well, as much as you want to tell me next week, if if you want to give us a ring. 
As much as I can remember, I'll let you know, okay? <laughs> All right. Nice to hear from you, Adam. Have a good show. time. Bye, bye, bye. Thank you. There bye. we go. Oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. If you want to give us a ring, we'd love to hear from you too. You're listening to the Late Night Alternative with me, Catherine Boyle, and her, Katie Puckrick. Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. Seriously, if you've got a spare half hour, have a look at the Wikipedia entry for Jack Parsons because he, it's it's incredible. Yeah, it's it's real. It's definitely a motion picture begging to be made. The the child prodigy rocket scientist turned sex magic uh, wizard. And uh, Alistair Crowley was one of his mentors. And then one of his students was L. Ron Hubbard, who then went on to found Scientology. So it's a whole lot of crackpots in one story. <laughs> Let's have a word with Julie. Hey, Julie. Hi, Kat. Hello. Hi, I've just Hi, seen Katie. your tweet. Hi. I've just seen your tweet about um, yeah. the podcast. Tell us more. Yeah, there's a podcast uh, called The Dollop, and it's uh, American history told by two comedians, and it's well worth giving a listen to um, a lot of them, and especially the one on Jack Parsons, because it's unbelievable. Oh, wow. That sounds great. Right up my furry alley. Yeah, I fancy this one as well. So I highly recommend that. And also, I was going to speak to Argento. Yeah, what do you reckon? well, the thing is this, she denied all um, sexual contact with him, but the the photo that has come to light, which is clearly him and her on a bed, and whilst there might not have been sexual contact, who takes a selfie on a bed? You know, that's... Don't you think? That's yeah. kind of a little bit stepping... Also... The thing is, it's kind of like, it kind of, it unfortunately would demean her, um, the way that we think about her, yeah. which of course it shouldn't, bearing in mind what she's gone through. No, exactly. And I think that's the, that's the thing that we're wrestling with in our heads is that, right, okay, so can we believe her? Can we not believe her? Of course we, of course I believe her. I believe, you know, what's happened to her has been to- that same old story we've heard from several other people since she ke- spoke out. It shouldn't undermine what she said. But, but it kind of, but it, it does if she's, uh, if it's denial in a in a way, kind of, you know, a bit like uh, Clinton. You know, her did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's kind of like if she had maybe said, uh, you know, we were close, or there was something, but a flat out kind of denial, then followed by other evidence, kind yeah. of yeah, just kind of makes you doubt her, which unfortunately then kind of casts aspersions on the other things she has said, which yeah. is you and know it, unfortunate, you know. And we know it shouldn't, but we like our heroes clean cut, don't we? This is the thing. Correct. Correct. We wanted to hold her up as someone who is a survivor and who was making the world a better place, not someone who is involved in it in some way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so um, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. I think you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, and but it does. We were talking about you know more broadly this idea that you know young men are reticent to come forward about this sort of thing because they feel less likely to be believed because it kind of goes in the face of what the accepted standard is for oh, blokes, which is to be yeah, up for it any time, any place with anyone, regardless of how old they are. 
Absolutely. And any time there's a, a story in the, the press about, say, let's say, for example, teachers, where it's, uh, you know, an older male teacher and a younger female, it's that's disgusting, it's a pervert. Yeah. But if it's the other way around, it's like, hey, get in there. Yeah. So, you know. But that's our, that's right. our problem, isn't it? That shouldn't be the victim, right. the survivors, in fact. Mm. Yeah, so you're, you're right. Yeah. But do you get why I feel a little bit weird about it as well? Oh, completely, absolutely, and and I do too. It's um, yeah, it's an it's an odd one actually, um, because yeah, it does kind of sully uh, what she's been through. Even though it absolutely shouldn't have, should have nothing to do uh, with her previous experience, but it kind of does, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Nice to hear from you, Julie. I haven't heard from you for a while. I know. <laughs> I've been out on about, you know. You don't have to explain yourself to me. I'm glad you're busy. <laughs> Good to hear from you anyway. Thanks for ringing. Cheers. Bye. 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 Let's talk to Nick. Hey, Nick. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. What What you got for us? Well, I well paying for crutches now. Oh, see, if I had the money, I would love that. Paying for cuddles. Love, oh yeah, I do love a nice cuddle. I do. And, you know, it it makes you feel a lot better, especially when you've had a stressful day and things have been on top of you and. And someone comes up and gives you a nice cuddle, and it's oh, it's wonderful. I can hear you at the smile in your voice as you think about it, Nick. <laughs> oh yes, and I can tell you what I'd give you two wonderful ladies a good cuddle as well if I could. <laughs> Group hug. Ah, oh, we'd all feel a hell of a lot better. Ah, oh, what have you been you. up to today, Nick? Anything good? Um, well, not really. Done a bit of shopping and that and listened to talk radio a lot, really. Oh, well, except a little cuddle over the airwaves. Um, ah, it's something no much. one can do us for, and uh, and you'd have to pay us, what was it, $46? $46 for the first hour. Yeah, take it for nothing, Nick. Okay. Cheers. Thank you bye, bye. bye. But I do think paying for it is weird. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, any port in a storm. I guess. I guess. It depends on the storm you're weathering. If you're hard up and you have cash to spare. Why not? Yeah. If they're providing it, why not? Yeah. No one's getting hurt. Unless it's a particularly hard cuddle. Hey, Jerry. Hello. Hey, would you pay for a cuddle? No. <laughs> That's that sorted then. I would. No chance. I... Hey. Yeah. I... You've not cut me off. I'm just waiting. Hang on a minute. I'm getting a rocket scientist yeah. from Germany kidnap someone. Yeah, the Americans kidnapped him and the world before the Russians got him. And they got a big kinky, big kinky, hot thing, Jack Parsons. Yeah. And he relates to Nicholas. He's not related to Nicholas Parsons as far as we know now. But he's still going. And say the century now for a night, Nicholas is a witch. Doing the story. Not being too good today, but. Spread the love, Jerry. Spread the love. Hi, Katie. Hello. How are you doing? 
I couldn't be better. I'm getting over my jet lag. You know, I was in Los Angeles for two weeks, so that was kind of... Drinking in L.A. Drinking in L.A. Drinking in L.A. Yeah, n- no, hardly. Just a whiskey here and there. What bands are you into, Katie? What bands are you into? What bands are you into? Uh... That's a good question. You know, I was just listening to my old Partridge Family albums. That's what I used to like when I was a kid. I love David Cassidy's voice. He doesn't need too well at the moment, is he? No, he's, he's, he's dead. He's taking a dirt nap. I did get to meet him. Like Interpol. Interpol? band. New York band. They're good. I was listening to them the other day, Interpol. Yeah, they're good. One of my favorites. I like Paul Banks' solo stuff as well. It's good. He's good. Cool. I'm going to um, play with my face. I bet it's on to you. It's uh, face. Keep to keep. I'll see you later. Bye. See you later. See you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, I want to hear about when you met David Cassidy. Well, it was a setup by the producers of a TV show that I was doing in America. This was mm, probably about 2003. And... They knew, the producers knew I was obsessed with David Cassidy. I've always loved his singing, and I've just always thought he was delicious. And I'd seen him in concert a couple times. And so they proposed that we fly out from Los Angeles to Las Vegas, and we do a segment searching for David Cassidy. So he was, at the time, living in Las Vegas doing a nightly show downtown, and he'd been living there for many years. So they thought it'd be fun. And I agreed that we do this thing. And the payoff being, I finally track him down and I get to meet him. So the trick of it all was, as we were dashing from golf course to his favorite booth at TGI Fridays to the, you know, the place where he liked to, you know, buy his toiletries to keep himself groomed and lovely, uh, they came to me halfway through the day and they said, you know what, we've been speaking with his PR and David actually is a little under the weather. He's just going to do a show tonight, which you're absolutely welcome to go and see, but he's going to just have to go right home because he has to take care of his voice. So I totally bought it hook, line and sinker. And I'm the executive producer of the show as well as the the presenter of this program. And uh, yeah, I didn't even ask any questions like, what? Well, OK, you win some, you lose some. So obediently, I trotted along to see his show, thoroughly enjoyed it, and then uh, went back to report to, you know, backstage or actually where the dressing rooms were. And they and my producer said, uh, Dave is not here, but they said it was OK for us to go and just like shoot. Uh, in his dressing room and you can rummage around and you know it'll just be funny yeah so sure it's sort of a look how close we got yeah we got so close and then we can do a funny bit with you like you know picking up a a loose hair or something and (laughs) thinking that it's david's and um so i said yeah sure and of course all day long i'd worked myself up into this kind of stagey pantomime frenzy about it because i'm putting it on for the camera so i'm doing this kind of like oh my gosh i'm looking for david cassidy i absolutely love him is he here is he there and uh so I sort of psyched myself up a little bit out of control. And, well, guess what? David Cassidy was secreted in the room. Like, he was <gasps> hiding in a back room. And as soon as my back was turned, examining some sort of David Cassidy artifact, he tiptoed up behind me. And I think the words I was uttering just at that moment was, I was looking at a photograph of him in a very tight-fitting uh, uh, pair of jeans. And I'd said to my co-host, his ass looks better in jeans than yours does. Wow. And then I heard his voice say, you think so? 
and I turned around and I lost my marbles. I, t- I, I, I was holding a pen and a piece of paper. I flung them up in the air and I clutched. I mean, I wasn't wearing pearls, but I did clutch where the pearls would have been. And I was totally gobsmacked. And it took some moments for me to recover. And uh, he was very sweet with me. And I was wearing this ridiculous I Heart David big badge on my T-shirt. And um, actually, you can see this on YouTube. I'm going to watch this There's on actually YouTube. a clip on YouTube. And he was absolutely lovely. And uh, it, it, I really did revert to an eight-year-old version of myself because that's when I absolutely adored him. And then kind of the good thing and the bad thing about it was he sort of, because of the time both my co-host and I were attractive young ladies. Um, he sort of an, saw an opportunity and, and uh, in an over-familiar fashion, uh, put his arm around both of us and made a sort of, I mean, it was all for the camera. So, yeah. you know, but he was like, hey, and now we can go back to my, you know, private chambers, which was a little like, oh, no, because in my head, I'm still eight years old. So, yeah, uh, like, it, oh, don't be sleazy, David. Yeah. I mean, so it's not a Me Too moment. And my goodness, I was still totally losing my my uh my oxygen source but um it was exciting yeah and he was charming with it oh well the thing that he i turned was, it on did he the thing that i'm very aware of and i've encountered this a few times interviewing people who are in the eye of the fame storm but people who've lived their whole life as famous people or most of their life as famous people it it sort of changes them molecularly and you can see that their interactions with people and with you know civilians it's almost like a negotiation an exchange um you know you need to supply them with their with their you know electricity and their their petrol mm-hmm. of love and adoration. That's your part of the equation. You need to supply that. And then in return, they will shine their light on you. And it's kind of like everybody, both sides know what they need to do. So it won't, it wouldn't be tolerated if I were to encounter David Cassidy and, and didn't behave like that. Like he, so it's, he, it was a relationship that we both knew what to do. Robbie Williams is like that as well. There's certain people who are so they kind of just blossom right. in in public and they need that. It's that's yeah. So you just sort of feel like you're you're plugging your energy into them and then they become complete. I get you. And and you felt the same thing from Robbie Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz uh, people who are very charismatic, like Robbie is so show business and so he's so on and I'll, you know, he's a child performer. Yeah. David Cassidy was sort of a child performer and, uh, or, you know, very young, very, yeah. So you kind of, there's people that they just, you know, Liberace was probably somebody like that as well, mm-hmm. where you just only really exist in public. Yeah. I mean, it's not to say that they're, you know, they don't t- turn it off. But um, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of you give me you give me the adulation, and I'll give you the showbiz you're looking for. Yeah, it's a total e- equation. It's an exchange of goods and services. It's interesting what you say about Robbie Williams because I've seen him a few times, sometimes on his own, uh, a couple of times on his own, and and once we take that, and it was this sort of take that comeback thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I swear to you, on two out of those three occasions, when he steams out on stage at the beginning. You could see him mouthing the words, come on, this is what you effing want. If this is what you, you know, he's like psyching himself up, but he's giving you 
Robbie Williams, you know, the stage performer, and he and he he actually says it out loud. This is what you really? want. This is what you're going to have. Yeah, I found it really interesting that he would verbalize it like that. That's intense. Yeah. So, was it picked up by his microphone, or no, you just sort no, of see? You could see it because it's like you know, a big screen. Yeah, come on, this is what you want. Yeah. See, the thing is, my mum's sisters are all um, quite deaf. And so when I was growing up, oh, this is the thing, I'm quite this, a good lip reader. This is when, funny. When I was growing up, my mum speaks very loud, but also I've kind of, without realising, I've been trained to look, I look at people's mouths when they're talking. Oh. Which has got me in trouble in the past because I didn't realise that's a flirt thing. Because people think that you want, you're looking at their mouth because they want, you want them to kiss you. Oh. Apparently. It's I'm like that same thing as like stroking your hair and I'm all gonna that stuff. I'm going to start doing that. But yeah, so, um. Not looking deep into somebody's eyes? Yeah, look, I always look into people's mouths when they're talking. So look at my mouth when I'm talking. Are you, I can't tell that you're looking at my mouth. Okay. Uh, maybe I, if I was a bit closer. All right, maybe if you're closer. Anyway, so you're. How's it? <laughs> <laughs> what? Come on now. Yeah, but when people have, so I always tell people, like through the glass and stuff, I always say, be you know, be careful what you say because I will probably be able to read it. How interesting! So he was doing. So was he saying it to himself though, Robbie Williams, or was he saying it to the audience? It to, well, I think he but might was be, he, but he was off mic. But was he addressing it to himself, like you know, you want this, like to himself? Was that a message it to him? It felt to me like or, it was a bit of both. Or okay, is a bit of both. You know, because this is someone who. You know, he he does come alive on stage. I've also seen him look knackered and it could, like he couldn't be bothered right. on stage as well. There's a, there are certain performers, they have a neediness. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone who's a performer has a need. You know, you wouldn't perform if you didn't want to have that exchange and have that transaction um, of some some kind, get a reaction. But, uh, but yeah, there's a neediness. And it's not to say that these performers aren't hugely talented and have something to offer, but they also have a hole yeah. that needs to be filled. Yeah, and, you know, I think we all know that about Robbie Williams' personal struggles with addiction and uh, mm. you know, his problems with his dad and all that stuff. He's been really open about it, which is great. But it's that whole thing of, um, yeah, the, th- the driver for people to push themselves into that level of fame yeah. is often a need they're not getting from anything else, you yeah. know? Yeah. I was watching this really interesting... I was sent a link to something really interesting today about um, the cause of addiction. And uh, this uh, mate of mine, Watco, sent it through. And I must put the link up because it's, it's worth watching. Mm. And it's this idea that, oh, the cause of addiction is that heroin is addictive, right? Right. Wrong. It's your brain chemistry? What they're or? saying is people, happy people, people who have everything they need, who are around people who connect with them and who feel connected to something bigger don't reach for that stuff as much as people who don't have that. Yeah. So it's that whole filling thing. That a kind whole of, filling, yes. You know, one one is too many and 25 is never enough. Oh, that, you know, yeah. And they, they, I must put the um, link up because it's really interesting and it will express it far better than I will. But it talks about how, you know, there's a reason why your grandma who went into hospital um, for a hip replacement didn't come out addicted to morphine which is a purer form of heroin than the stuff people get addicted to apparently within 20 something like 20 goes of it you know you're you're addicted you could be in hospital for months and months and hooked up to a morphine drip and you could come out and not be addicted to it or not being addicted to heroin not you know yeah and you know they were dosing up the soldiers in vietnam the ones that came home to happy families by and large were not drug addicts after yeah. that fat, you know, after they came home, they didn't feel the need to reach for it. And it also talked about this study where they had two, they had a rat in a cage, right? 
two bottles, one pure water and one water with um, cocaine in it. Mm, delicious. And the rat on his own soon got hooked to the water bottle with cocaine in it to the point where they overdosed oh. and died. Oh, my gosh. Then they tried another experiment where they had a load of rats in the cage. So basically this rat had company, had sex on tap, had, you know, had stimulation. They put like you know, things for the rat to play in uh, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So it was like a, it was a fun fair of everything that a rat, a, a little rat, rat could possibly rat desire. A rat festival. Absolutely. A rat park, I think they called it. Same two bottles in there. They barely touched the drugged water. Huh. Now, if that's true, and I've not seen any papers or whatever, but if that's true... It kind of further pushes this idea that, you know, it's feeding a hole in your soul, you know? Well, th that's for sure. But come on, aren't certain groups of people, populations are more susceptible or, or certain people are more susceptible because of brain chemistry? I mean, there is such a thing as um, a friend of mine was telling me about this. It's called the Asian flush. Um people of Asian descent, and I mean Far East, mm -hmm. uh, who are unable to handle their alcohol. Like, they can't metabolize it. And it's something that occurs in that population. And um, this friend of mine found out recently because he was adopted and he recently uh, decided to get a DNA test and he had no idea that he was almost, uh, he was almost a third Asian mm -hmm. in his background. And he was always told that he was Greek or Italian. So he, you know, he had dark hair and dark eyes, but he had no idea that he was part Asian. And then he went, oh, that explains why I can't drink alcohol and I feel dizzy and I have this flush and it's a, a total situation. So there is a physical element as well, but that's not addiction. No. Um, I got into trouble. the fact that they, that they wouldn't, that the rats are not reaching for it, that people are not reaching for these things. But what about, here's another potentially horrible minefield I'm walking into willingly. Um, so on uh, American Indian reservations in, in certain states in America, oftentimes those are dry um, counties and they, you can't sell alcohol. Um, and I was in the Four Corners area in the middle of America where there's four states that touch each other and it's where Monument Valley is. It's so gorgeous. These giant rock mittens reaching up into the sky, these amazing rock formations. And I was at a restaurant I think it was at the Holiday Inn there in the middle of the Indian Res, and I asked the in American Indian server, "Why is it that they don't that they don't serve alcohol?" And he got really uncomfortable, and I guess that was a really inappropriate question to ask. But I was asking it innocently. But I I don't know whether that there's a proclivity for people for for that ethnicity, if that's the right word to use for it, um, to get more to be more susceptible to drink. Or is it just that they have a terrible situation and they live on a reservation and they don't have very many resources? Well, it's hard, isn't it, to separate whether it's a genetic thing or whether it's that and something else or it's that or it's poverty. Yeah, poverty. And also the fact that their traditional way of life is something they're not, you know, for many years and we're not allowed yeah. to pursue. I guess that's the answer to the question. So they're not having a great time no. anyway. I mean, that's the, the thing about that situation is you see all these... Um, you know, don't drink and drive signs on the road in Monument Valley because everyone on the res who would fancy a beverage has to drive like 50 miles away to the next city. Like it's called Three Hats. <laughs> Have you seen um, Wind River? No, it's, it's that. amazing. It's a film that came out, I think, last year 
with, oh, I've forgotten his surname, Jeremy something in it, right, who's not my favourite actor, but he was amazing in it. And it's about a guy who goes onto a, um, a reservation to investigate um, a missing girl. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, it just uncovers this whole thing of, you know, the fact that Indian girls are disposable and that people are coming onto the reservation to do what they want to them kill, Jer- and Jer- kill them and no one pursues it. Jeremy Renner. Boom. That okay. guy. It's so, it's such a good film. And it's one of those films that you don't, it's a good film and you cannot deny it when you, co- and when you come out of the film. You don't enjoy it. You kind of endure it. Oh gosh. And you realize that you haven't been breathing properly all the way through it. Oh wow. It's just kind of, but ah. it's a wonderful, wonderful film. All worth right. seeing. Wind River. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, look, I was banging on. We've missed a break. Let's do one. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. If you want to have a chat with us, we're more than willing. You can talk about whatever you want. Uh, you can text us on uh, Talk to. Uh, you need to put Talk at the beginning of your message to eight seven two two two, and that'll cost you twenty five p per message on top of your standard network rate. Or you can tweet at Talk Radio at Flipping Cath at Katie Pockrick. Choose one or all of those things, and it'll cost you nothing at all. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. Speech radio with a difference. Talk radio. I'm just watching my co-host having uh, an ageing pop star sneaking up on her. In a- <laughs> Not right this minute, but on, on YouTube. She actually uh, jumps up in the air. And, it, and it's David Cassidy surprising me. Um, yeah. Oh. Hi, David. Hi. This is me on YouTube. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I love that button. Um, I'm finding this a little. Says pointing at your breast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. What a thing. It was a thing. It it's it certainly made my year. Send me that link. I want to watch the whole thing. All right. Hey, Pablo. How do Captain Katie? I'm all right. What have you got for us? Um, I, I know you were all going on a, a certain bent, but it, it, it's a bit more pedestrian, if that's all right. Of course, do what you want. Uh, yeah, no, I'm um, off on a week's holiday in the lakes uh, tomorrow with um, my own family as well as the extended family of uh, my partner. Oh. Um, yeah, so it was just, just um, if there's anything that you can advise to assist me in, in that yeah don't do it <laughs> it's too late it's too late um i have some experience of this having gone to the lakes and shared a house with my parents and my sister and her family and there was our lot as well and um they i love them i love them dearly you've got next door wondering what you're doing they can they can smell chocolate <laughs> No, I'm opening. I'm so trying to be surreptitious, and I'm not. No, sorry She's about that. I'm, I'm all ears. I'm all ears. We shared a house, and it was it was too many people. It's just too many people, and they were my family. So imagine if you ask my husband, you'll get an even more uh, just, interesting story. And we yeah. love each other dearly, but it's too many people to be organising. And there's always someone who's not as punctual, and there's always someone sitting around with their boots and coat on, ready to go. And it's a flipping nightmare. And no thanks. But you might have a lovely time. Do you have uh, uh, activities planned? Well, it's, it's to um, kind of celebrate the retirement of the uh, the grandfather of the group. Um, so we're, we're staying somewhere a little bit swankier uh, than, than usual. Um, but I, I don't know if there's anything specifically planned. I think a lot of walks and the like. But uh, obviously I've got a, yeah, a, a five-year-old and a, a near two-year-old. Oh. So I don't, uh, we, we can make our own fun from it, but... Uh, 
Do you, are, are there is there swimming like uh, is there a f- amusements to be had? Mini well, golf. From, from, <laughs> I, I believe so. I think I think from prior experience from a similar situation, we're, we're going to make a point of trying to make specific time for for us and the kids. Where if yeah. people want to do other things, they can do other things. That's. I think that might be the key to harmony. Right is not expecting everyone to be together doing exactly the same all the time and to have maybe, you know, say, right, we'll have a free morning and we'll meet you for lunch. Well, that's it. I think we, we had a, a, a trip to Ireland, which did kind of worked that way and ended up with me shouting at people. So it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so are you the shouter in the group? Well, not normally. I had a heavily pregnant um, missus and uh, a three-year-old in tow and we were ended up at... Um, um, what, what do you call them? Um, um, Irish folk um, poem okay. reading. Kaylee. Yeah, oh. Kind of like a Kaylee, but more poem orientated. Oh god! Uh, lots of music, and we were we were there from like half ten till like seven o'clock in the morning. Oh. And we drove two hours to get there. With uh, three year olds, love poems in pubs. They <laughs> really do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we took a lot of walks around the small village. Oh bless her! No, yeah, I think you you know what's coming. Just trying not to repeat the the problems last time. Yeah, steer clear of the poetry nights. Oh my god, really? I'm just going to count to ten and do a little bit of um, in, in, what, what, what you call it? Um, oh, I forgot what it's called now. Um, the thing where you, you you kind of think about what you're going to do before you do it. Plan. Mind, mindfulness. mindfulness. Yes. That's the one. Right. No. Quite right. Notice how you're feeling. Let it pass. Um, here's here's a practical tip though. If you're anywhere near Grasmere, go and find Sarah Nelson's gingerbread shop. I beg your pardon. Yes, Grasmere. Grasmere. Is it there's like kind of soft gingerbread? It's yeah, it's soft on the inside. It's they serve it to you warm. You can smell it cooking. They have baking. You know they have a morning baking. You can smell it. You queue up. They give it to you in uh, the paper package, and it's it's sort of squishy on the inside. Um, but in a sort of toffee way, not too soft. And then the outside, it's kind of almost a breadcrumb consistency. And it's just the best thing ever. Oh. Well, I, get, uh, I think I'm going to jump in the car now. Oh, do it. <laughs> yeah, right. Follow your nose. You'll find them easily. There's always oh, a massive queue. Sarah Nelson's Gingerbread Shop. Sarah Nelson's Gingerbread Shop, yeah. You thank me later. Right, yeah. It's the best thing ever. It's the, I mean, it's one of the main reasons I ever wanted to go to the, uh, to the Lake District with my parents when I was a kid. Just the best. I sure. I shall head to Grasmere and follow my nose. Do it. Nice to speak to you, Pabs. Thank you. Um, and big fan, Katie, by the way. Oh, hey. thank you. Not, not to ignore calf, but uh, big fan since back in the day, word, etc. Big hey. fan of yours. Smaller fan of mine. That's fine. <laughs> Bye, Pablo. If you want to give us a ring, 0344 Oh, that must make, got me thinking about gingerbread. So mm. good. You know, we were talking about sort of addiction and stuff. It got me thinking about uh, the other subject you were talking about before yes. we came on air. Oh, ben yeah. Ben Affleck. Yeah, Ben Affleck. So um, there's a... A big story uh, on TMZ, which was uh, published in the Evening Standard tonight, which is what caught my eye. Um, so he's back in rehab. Um, I think for the third time he struggles with alcohol addiction. Um, but the, the the reason why it caught my eye was uh, the this cheeky cheeky so and sos over the Evening Standard their little uh, their little tagline on the front page of the newspaper was wife drives Affleck to rehab. 
So it's uh, she is actually physically driving him to rehab, but the way it came across was like, like she, she pushed him to it. Yeah, she you know she drove him to drink kind of thing. But uh, there's a great picture. Um, unfortunately, these are people suffering uh, and having moments of what they hoped was going to be private, and it's not so private. But there's a picture that shows Jennifer at the steering wheel, and there's Ben in the back seat, and there's a, yeah. a, a, a woman friend in the front seat. But she's just handing over a, a bag of hamburgers. So they've stopped off at Jack in the Box, and she's just like, take the burgers, and she's got her like head buried, trying to hide behind the steering wheel. Um, and I was interested that it's almost like a condemned man's last meal. I mean, I don't imagine that swearing off burgers is part of the uh, clean-out rehab process. Maybe it is, but it, it was obviously... That that sort of humanized it for me, That the fact that it's like, well, okay, I'll go, to, I'll go to rehab. I will, but I want my double bacon cheeseburger and yeah. f- onion rings and fries at Jack in the Box. I, I, I just I look at that picture and I feel terrible for everyone involved. Yeah. I know that's bloody awful. That's like lowest point in his life, but also... Th- What's made her get involved is because, you know, she, obviously she loves him or loved him in yeah. at one time. Well, they have children together. Yeah, they're still married. I mean, they're And who strange. else is going to help him out? Yeah, who's going to help him out? And meanwhile, I mean, I guess the tip off that he was going off the rails was he was in a stable relationship, or we presume it was, with a age-appropriate, shall we say, um, TV producer for a year. They split up, and then he's, what, like 38 or something, and he, he took up with a 22-year-old playboy model he's 46 oh he's 46 okay 46 year old took up with a 22 year old play playboy model who um she's pictured as well wearing a what, what t-shirt does she have on pearl it's jam pearl jam who even she was probably born after they broke up but anyway um in her playboy profile a few months ago she said what was it i i'm it's whiskey all day long for me oh god so this is a 22 year old you know beautiful woman uh, apparently loving the whiskey and obviously, that's a red flag to a bull. I mean, what's not to like? She sounds like the perfect girlfriend to me. Um, and so Ben took up with her and took up with the whiskey. And now he's having his last meal. Poor guy. I do often think, though, I mean, this is not what you need. If you're struggling with addiction, you don't need shaming in the papers. You know, um, and also the fact they put a big, the biggest picture is of the 22-year-old Playboy <laughs> model. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> just, you know, just to make it extra sexy. She's a. I like her look on her face. She's got this kind of um, Terminator yes. look of determination on her face. She's probably trying to walk through a load of pervy blokes trying to snap under a skirt. That's that's why. Yeah, that's probably it. Uh, here's something kind of interesting though. Um, this so TMZ have done this story, and they you know they're obviously they're obviously they're clicking away in these people's faces while they're just trying to you know, hold on what's left of their dignity. And as they're click, click, clicking away in front of Jennifer Garner, she says uh, she asked for, quote, some space, unquote. So, I mean, in the middle of her leaving the house, quote, upset and shaking, unquote, she's, you know, nicely going, just give us some space. Oh, God's sake. And then they're, you know, reporting on it. And then here I am reporting on it i know but i'm um, hopefully we're doing it in a slightly more sensitive i'm just manner. interested in the hamburger aspect i'm thinking I, I wouldn't want to go to rehab if i couldn't have my junk food i just think he's bloody lucky that his ex-wife cares enough and yeah. has enough about her to get involved in this because they're talking about it having been an intervention which is hardcore you know yeah everyone knows that the first step in battling addiction is to admit you have a problem but at some ca- in some cases 
it's not going to happen until you kill yourself. Mm. And, you know, I, I remember speaking to someone once when I was worried about a friend of mine mm -hmm. and they said, you can't save that person. What you need to do is do everything you can to make sure that you save the you that will survive them if they carry on that way. Oh, wow. That's so, an interesting distinction. So, so be right with yourself. Are you doing everything you can that, huh. that in, in six months time when that person has topped themselves or ended up dead? Yeah. Will you be able to say to yourself, you honestly did everything you can? Yeah, but I mean, I've been in a relationship with an alcoholic and it's, I mean, it's such a one-sided relationship anyway, because all, you can't compete with their love of alcohol no. and their slavery, you know, their surrender. That's a disease, isn't it? Yeah, they, you can't, you're never going to be as interesting to them as, as that bottle. But I guess in her case, she's not necessarily doing it for him, she's doing it for the children. Yeah. Anyway, lots of luck to them, I feel yeah. terrible for them. Let's have a quick word with Joe. Hey, Joe. Hello. 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 Hello, Katie. Hello, Cassie. Nice hey. to see you. Hey, you too. What have you got? Um, well, I was just sort of listening to you a little five or ten minutes ago, and you were talking about um, the idea of addiction and uh, that it's not... that the ideas we have around it are not actually completely accurate. Mm. And um, I think you were talking about a book by Johan Hari, the idea... You said a friend... Yeah, uh, told me, you about these things. Yeah, he met, uh, a friend of mine messaged me uh, a link and it, it turned out at the end of the video that, yes, it was something that a, a group had done in collaboration with Johan Hari, yeah. Yeah, and his, his book Lost Connections is a fantastic read because it, it actually talks about this um, the increasingly popular and proven ideas around addiction that actually it's usually the individual is sort of seen to be um faulty if you like you know it's the in there's something wrong with the individual yeah that they might be depressed or they might have anxiety or they might be addicted there's something within them that's wrong but yeah. actually johan hari talks about the idea that actually it could be just a healthy reaction to an unhealthy world you know we live in an environment and a and a, and a world that puts a lot of stress and strain on us and and actually, a lot of people, as we know, in today's society are uh, experiencing anxiety and stress and depression in greater numbers. Um, and, and it actually looks in a lot of detail. It's fascinating. It looks in a lot of detail about, well, actually, you know, it's about as human beings, we've got a set of emotional needs that for a lot of us aren't being met. And it's the lack of these needs being met that leads us to experience these sort of um, reactions. Yeah. So they're, health, they're healthy reactions to unhealthy situations. And I find it fascinating. Um, and as soon as, you, as soon as you mentioned it, my sort of mind lit up because it's something I really connect with as well. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's something huge that we need to talk a lot more about um, because I think there's so many people who are experiencing so many difficulties that to understand that it's not necessarily something that's wrong with them. Mm -hmm. It's actually a healthy thing to be experiencing maybe depression or anxiety or getting into addiction. It's just a way of a human being 
trying to get their needs met, you know, yeah. in, in, in not the best way. I must have a look at that book because I remember when it came out, there was a furore because some sections of it were lifted and the suggestion was that people shouldn't be taking antidepressants. And he was just saying, I, I think his um, counter argument was he said that not everybody gets helped with antidepressants. And I think that's something that no one can deny. But that doesn't mean that some people don't need them. Well, I th- yeah, the sort of conclusion was that antidepressants can help some people to a certain extent, but they're only they're only treating the symptoms, not the causes. Mm. And it's the root causes of why people are stressed or unhappy or anxious or depressed that we need to start looking at. And that's to do with our our society and and the way we relate to each other and the fact that a lot of our emotional needs are not being met. Yeah. Um, can I just mention another book? If of anyone you can. listening, please. There's there's um there's a fantastic approach to mental and emotional health it's called the human givens approach right um and they it's it's by two psychotherapists called joe griffin and ivan tyrrell and it's called the human givens a new approach to emotional health and clear thinking right and it talks about very similar themes as lost connections but they're coming at it from a more clinical evidence-based background and they're saying the same thing they're saying that you know us human beings have these emotional needs that we need need to be met to be happy and healthy. If they're not met in balance or if they're met in unhealthy ways, we, we become unhappy or distressed in, in some way. Um, but it, it's a real clear, practical, sort of solution-focused approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one that I got involved in over the years, the recent years. And I, if there's anyone listening... Um, that might find it useful. I, I can't stress enough how um, helpful it is and how useful it is. Because um, at the moment, it, we just seem to be surrounded by so many stories about male suicide, young people being stressed and anxious at school, old people being lonely, yeah. people being addicted, and all these things. And, and but we tend to focus on the individual as being at fault. There's something wrong with the individual, which isn't the case, you know. Yeah. And the thing yeah. is, that feeling of there is something wrong with me fuels it. Shame and secrecy fuels it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that, and then, you know, it, it 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 perpetuates it, but it also makes people less likely to to to, to reach out to others for help. Yeah. You know, they they don't feel they can do it because there must be something wrong with them. Yeah. But if anybody's listening, um, you know, I encourage people to reach out and I encourage people to read these books because there's a lot of truth and there's a lot of practical help and advice in them. I know. And Um, here's the thing as well. It's not necessarily for people who are struggling with it themselves. We all know someone who we could understand a bit better if we read up a bit more. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. I mean, we're all we're all here to help each other, you know, and I think. The, the title of Johan Hari's book, Lost Connection, sums it up. We've, we've lost connection with ourselves, with other people, with the society we live in. I think we've really all kind of disconnected, but a lot of us don't realise it. We just feel it and we can't articulate it. Yeah. And sometimes someone else can help us articulate it or understand it. And even just understanding something a bit better is a massive help if you're experiencing something difficult like depression or addiction or anxiety, whatever it might be. Yeah. So just that first step of understanding what's happening is is massive and it's it's incredible and it can can give you that encouragement you need to then perhaps take another step 
yourself yeah. or you might want to help someone. So it's just like that, having a common understanding of what is going on. And as soon as we all start to understand as, as, a, as a community of people what mental health and emotional ill health is, but also what emo- emo- sorry, emotional good health is, yeah. we can all start doing something about it. Uh, but I think there's a lot of misinformation and particularly around the use of um, antidepressants. I'm no expert. I've got a degree of knowledge. I've actually qualified as a psychological therapist myself. And um, it's been a fascinating journey for me. Um, but the clarity it's given me has, has, has just opened up a whole world of possibility in, in understanding myself, but helping other people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry if I'm talking too no, much. But I, no, you're not. I find it really fascinating. And I, I, and I want to say thank you for giving us a call because it, yours was the voice we needed, I think, at this point. Yeah. And also, what a great endorsement from somebody in the field. Yeah. So if it helps you, it's certainly going to help others. Yeah. I mean, I've had first-hand experience of it. Um, and, you know, I trained over a few years to, to qualify as a therapist myself. Um, and I'm trying, I'm starting up a couple of projects which, you know, I'm trying, I'm basically just trying to practice what I preach, really. Um, so, yeah, I encourage people definitely to read Johan Hari's book. Right. Um, and there's lots more out there, but also The Human Givens. The Human Givens is fantastic. Right. I'm, I've put that, I've written that down. I'm going to have a look at that. Um, I'll get on Amazon right. straight away. Thank you so much, Joe. Well, speak to us again, won't you? Yeah. And, and yeah, thanks for allowing me a little bit of time. And, no, um, not sure. Not at all. Really, uh, fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for phoning. Okay. Cheers. All Bye. the best. Bye, Joe. If you want to give us a ring, 0344-499-1000 is the number. We'd love to hear from you. You're listening to The Late Night Alternative. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. Speech radio with a difference. Talk radio. Blimey, look at all these calls. We better get through them. Here's Tom. Hey, Tom. Uh, bonsoir, Catherine. Bonsoir, bonsoir. Comment bonsoir. ça va? Oh. Uh, don't get too carried away. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> definitely to... getting carried away. Of course I am. <laughs> Do you have to practice uh, quite often your French and Spanish? Um... My French, I don't speak from one year to the next. And so I have to, what happens when I start speaking French is that um, Spanish tries to pop out. I, <laughs> my uh, Spanish is a lot less rusty. And I do speak Spanish quite often because I have French, Spanish speaking friends that I see virtually every day during t- term time. It's the other mums in the schoolyard. We talk to each other in Spanish. Oh, that's but really it's, sweet. it's a weird thing with languages that you get to a certain stage. Um, where you don't translate anymore, you kind of almost sort of flip a little lid in your brain and you start thinking in that language. And, yeah, and that's where I'm, I'm at with French. with Spanish. But French is a bit leaky and the Spanish will try and pop through. <laughs> mm. Right. Can I uh, quickly drag the conversation back into the gutter? Please. Okay? Yeah, go on. Clean gutter. Okay. I'm sure you're aware of uh, webcam girls. Yes. There is this lady, It's she's 100% genuine. She does this webcam from her office job. Oh. Uh, her, her name is Office Cutie. Right. And people walk in and out, but she, okay, she types and she answers the phone. It's not a say, it's, it's genuinely true. She's in Tbilisi. Right. Uh, and she occasionally, like, stands up and shows her bum or whatever, you know. What, so she's got no kegs on? No, she wears... Very nice clothes, but it's office clothes. Right, okay. So she'll stand up and she'll sort of move her skirt and take her shoes off and that kind of thing. Okay. It's not full on, but 
she does like a private show. I mean, I only uh, came across, across this because I was looking for some, you know, Christian literature, and I accidentally <laughs> found this site. Of course, I mean that's but the way it works, isn't it? The, the weird, the weird thing is, she looks more like you than you do. What? It's terrifying. She's your doppelganger. Wow, hang on a second. Huh? She's you've got your me Georgian. You've got me googling a webcam girl. Right, hang on. Right, what you need to look for is X hamster. And you need to go on to the live... These are adult sites, you know. They're perfectly okay. They're perfectly legitimate. Hang on. And you need to look She's got a Tumblr. Is this not her? I don't know about a Tumblr. Hang on, let's have a look. I don't really like... Go to X hamster. Go to the live section and then search for Office Cutie. Her profile is up. You have to click on her profile name and then you'll see pictures of her. Okay. Hang on. There we go. This is, I mean, this is a good job I'm using my um, own laptop because if I was using a yeah, real one, is. there'll be some security guard in a bunker <laughs> somewhere getting a, a, an alert. Right, hang on. If I I've see filth now, I'm blaming you. I've already seen filth. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. These websites are massive, by the way. I, I bet. Mean, they're money, yeah. They, they make a lot of money. So she doesn't actually do anything filthy. It's all just titillation. Well, she's got something called a lovence. I don't know whether you two know about those things, but they vibrate if you send tokens. Oh, right. Uh, so she, you can, she, shows, she shows her knickers and everything, you know. But it's, it's There's a lot of things on the... Oh, right, what am I looking for on this thing again? Right, just Google X hamster. Yeah, got on it. On the website. Yeah. Right, and then go to live, uh, X hamster live. Oh, God, what are you live doing? Live sex. I'm yeah, I'm on that, but then I don't know what to do. Right, then you've got to go to the search bar. I don't see the search uh, right. bar. Right, oh. See, oh, yeah, it? here it is. Okay, so I'm on the search bar, right. and it's Office Cutie. Office Cutie, one word. Oh, okay. I've got some pictures. But <laughs> oh my God. I don't know how I feel about this, Tom, but let's okay, continue. Here, okay, here you are, you Catherine. It, you'll be astounded. Oh, shoot, wait, hold on. I just see, she's offline right now. Yeah, she's offline now. She works Office Hours. Oh, it does look a little bit like you. She looks like Danny Minogue. She looks more like If you go to the top left of the page, there's her name. If you click on that, you get a profile and you get more pictures in, down the bottom. If you, the top left. Yeah. yeah, the top left of the screen. Oh, I see what you're saying. Got it. Oh, God. I'm not seeing pro picture. Oh, here we go. What? Yeah, the bottom right of the screen. <laughs> you know this screen really well, Tom. Again, <laughs> I'm not yes. seeing. Yeah, I'm not. Right, oh, hang on. Someone else has popped up and they're busy. Let me. Um... <laughs> it says hot stuff. It's in the bottom right under albums. Hot stuff. Press on that. I'm not seeing hot. I'm just seeing busty Valerie and. Oh my gosh. Um, wait, so hot, hot stuff. <laughs> on, you have to be on Office Cutie's profile. You have to click on her. Yeah, I'm on and her. It's a, I'm I'm Office Cutie. If you're reading this, I'm resting at the moment, getting strength in order to please yes. you. See you soon. Scroll down. A month ago. Scroll down. Yeah, I'm scrolling down. Just a, just a little bit, not all the way, just yeah. a little bit. And on the right-hand side, there's some albums, and one says hot stuff. Albums, hot stuff, only for registered users. Oh, see, we can't no, get it. No, 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 not that one, not that one. The others are, not that one. Yeah, it says albums, no, only for friends on... Uh, yeah, I like sport, hot stuff, uh, think you would be, nice panties. Anyway, in summary, thanks, I it's think. Tomorrow. Yeah, Sorry. I, we're not going to register, so we'll take your Whatever. word for it. Tom 
Oh, yeah, you might have to register. Yeah, so. I think, yeah. I, that's a bridge too mm-hmm. far. I'm already, oh, I'm already sullied. I'm going to have to have a silkwood shower. <laughs> well, yeah. They say that there's someone out there who looks exactly like like everyone's got a double cat. Yeah, for sure. It turns out mine is a mucky pup. Wouldn't you know yeah, it? Yeah, in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, okay. Tom. I'm not sure, I'm not sure I, what I'm going to do with that information, but it's there. I'm pretty sorry. <laughs> That's all right, okay, Tom. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Every day's a school day, isn't it? Oh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Frankly, if I carried on like that around this office... Well, probably. you'd have you'd be a lot more popular. I would be a lot more popular than I am. If you want to get in touch with us, oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. I'm not going to give you my webcam address. Um, you can also tweet at Talk Radio, or you can text Talk and your message to eight seven two two two, and that will cost you twenty five p per message on top of your standard network rate. Give us a shout. We'll talk about whatever you like within reason, and sometimes without reason. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. You're listening to the Late Night Alternative with me, Catherine Boyle, and. Katie Puckrick. Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. You can give us a call about absolutely anything. So far, we've found out that there is a uh, webcam girl somewhere in Tbilisi who looks a bit like me, uh, and we know her page rather more intimately than... Than well, we needed to. Well, I we don't really know her page, but we know the other kind of characters who seem to be cavorting their soft pink crevices um, in a very free and easy fashion. Yeah, and, and fair play to them if that's what they want to do. There's obviously a market for there's it. There's obviously a market. Some... They're entrepreneurial. They certainly and are. It's a gig economy, and they're very inventive. Um, I've got this message through from Rebecca saying my addictions are all psychological rather than chemical and I worry it's based on t- entirely on the paradox of fear coupled with self-destruction. Well, P- wait, wait a, par- a paradox of fear and self-destruction. Mm. That's not a paradox. No. They go hand in hand. They're friends, aren't they? Yeah. But I'm definitely going to have a look at that book that um, that Joseph was... Um, wait, what is her addictions? Her addictions are... Ba- she says they're psychological rather Psy- than chemical. Psychological... I want to know more. Yeah, so do I. Wait, so, so I. You, all addictions are psychological because you think you want it. Yeah, and, but, to, and then afterwards it is the cycle of shame, isn't it? But she's based on something that is in her head, mm-hmm. or maybe she's like likes to think certain thoughts. Well, I would love to know if you want to tell us. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. We've got Michael and we've got Nigel. Let's have a word with Nigel first. Hi, Nigel. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Katie. Hey, Hello, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. Good. I was, uh, better, well, a bit better than I was, I think. Oh, good. Good. Did but you I've find that? Did busy. you find that paper? Never so busy. Good. So. Yeah. Did you find that paperwork that you were worrying about? Um, I did look for it in some places, but I couldn't find it. But the lady I spoke to, she didn't mention it again. Oh. So um, I think she, if she was really worried, she'd have mentioned it today. Yeah. But she I She's going to collect some papers for the funeral tomorrow. Uh, a yellow, a, a green paper, and uh, the death certificate to take to the uh, uh, the burial. No, the, the um, funeral directors. Mm. You know, you have to you have to take these forms, the death certificates, the funeral directors. Yeah. So she, I've left it around the doctors, and she's going to collect it tomorrow. Uh, so, um, so I've, I've done thirty miles bike riding. Afternoon. Wow. From one o'clock till five, I was all that time on a bike. Wow. Yeah, so I do keep myself fit. And uh, um, I was going to ask you, you know, the cook- <laughs> cooking fat? Yes. To do a beef burger, can you use the fat, the same fat you've used the day before? 
Well, it, it won't hurt you, will it? Uh, um, well, you don't need to cook. I mean, beef has its own fat. You don't need to put add more fat. No, I've do run you? out of fat um, for the frying pan. It's just the old fat is still in there from the, from another day. You know. Yeah. Oh, I think you should just wipe it out with a paper towel. Yeah, but I haven't got any new fat to cook the beef burger. Yeah, but with. you don't need fat to cook a beef burger. The beef burger's got frying pan. It's got, no, it's got no, fat in it. Listen, when you heat the beef burger, the fat from inside the burger will come out, and it, you can use that. Oh. So you don't need so much fat. No, no. it tastes horrible. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, because it's it's like the fat runs out of the beef burger when I take it off the. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. It's all built in. And listen, you're oh. a fit bloke. You don't want to be putting all that extra stuff in. No, it was just that I, I didn't eat a very big dinner earlier, and I get hungry at night times, like Ian. You know. Yeah. I, I had a dream about Ian this morning. <laughs> Did you? I'll tell him. We'd be I, thrilled. It was help. Helping me punch my t- pump my tire up on my bike. <laughs> oh, that's a nice. That's very helpful of well, him. I I got a puncher, and I think he was around, and, and I borrowed a pump off of him. And he hasn't even got a bike. <laughs> he has got a bike. He has got a bike. I, I'm laughing, but I'm, I'm I I I don't like. To, you know, I'm I'm still very upset about Mum, of course. Hey, but, listen, but Nigel, you're, you're I'm allowed. The, sorry, I'm worried about the funeral, Catherine. I know you are, but listen, here's it's another thing. Good. You're allowed to smile and you're allowed to laugh. Don't feel yeah, bad about yeah. that. It's just that when people say you see the coffin lowered into the ground, that puts me right off straight away. You, know? well, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do, Nigel. Well, I need to go to it because you I ne- promised people I'm going to sing for the funeral. You know? Okay, but if you don't want to go, if you don't want to see that bit, if you want to stand oh. at the back while they do that, that's people will understand. It's going to be in the cemetery. It, uh, it's, got, it's not going to be done in the church, it's just in the cemetery. Right, okay. But, um, but you don't yeah. have to look is what I'm saying to you, Nigel. No, no, I could turn my head and not yeah. look at the yeah. Um So it should be quite soon because it, she's getting on with the, the paperwork, the, the lady that's helping me. So it should be maybe a week or two or something like okay. that. Before. Uh, the other thing I was going to say, I, I'm thinking about taking a holiday to go and see pink hot dogs that I was talking about. <laughs> You know, in well, I, what I would say is to try to expand the agenda of what you're going to see because that's going to take five minutes. Yeah, Th- that I is wanna, not. I want to see this, the stars on the Hollywood Boulevard. Sure. The, you know, all the different famous people, Judy Garland and those. Yeah, that's people. fun. All up and down um, Hollywood and up Vine. Mm, yeah, that's fun. I, I, I need to get a hotel near that part of Hollywood, don't I? That combined with the aeroplane. Uh, well, uh, you can get, you can also look at Airbnb. That's quite handy. And also the big thing in LA now, like everywhere else are Ubers and lifts. So you don't have to yeah. be right next door. Nothing's really in walking distance no, no, in Hollywood. So spread out in Hollywood. Yeah, it's really spread out. So, so you can count on, uh, getting taxis and getting Ubers everywhere. You can get a week's holiday with the hotel and the plane combined for about a thousand pounds. Wow, that's I, good. I, I, I was I found out well I was inquiring about it um, about six months ago, and uh, that's what they said. I think it was around about a thousand pounds. Yeah, well, it's really hot there right now. Yeah. It's just I just came back. Yeah. It's like a hundred degrees. It's not a bad price, is it, Katie? Oh no, it's not bad at all. Yeah. Um, uh, I have, can I ask you, Catherine? Have you seen that drum solo on my Facebook? I think it's something different. You could play a bit of the drum solo to finish if you could. Well, um, listen, I haven't uh, been I haven't been looking on your Facebook. Um, oh, well, it's but just um, about four bits down, four or five bits down. But let's have a look. Let's have a look for uh, Nigel because we know what he's driving at. The page. <laughs> let's it, have a look. Uh, the Buddy Rich, yeah, the Buddy Rich uh, drum solo. Okay. Well, but, Sam's but, having a look for you. Mm. Is this one you're particularly proud of? 
Uh, yes, it is a very good one that I did sometimes. Also, I've got I've got a bit of a naughty picture of Noah Cyrus on it. Don't take any notice of that, but it's just to cheer me up. <laughs> Sam, be prepared that there is a naughty picture. <laughs> she's, she's got pants on instead of a dress. Well, as a mercy, she's got her pants on. Um, <laughs> she's copying Miley, honestly. She's copying Miley. <laughs> Nigel, you are a funny thing. You are a funny thing. Right, we found it. He's Oh, he's hovering over the picture. Uh, Can you please scroll down? Oh, who is? <laughs> Sam. Sam? Yes, Sam's having a look at your uh, Facebook. Yeah, I've got a couple of girly pictures. I've been talking to her. I made a new girlfriend in Uganda, um, in South Africa. Oh. And, uh, yeah, she's been talking to me for ages on Facebook. Has she? Is she talking to you privately? She's 35, or is she... 35, not a bad age for me, really. It's no, right, it's a bit more appropriate, yes. Yeah. Is she talking to you um, privately? Or Private, she... Yeah, privately, yes. Right. And she... Yeah, she wants to keep... She didn't want to uh, stop talking, but I had to put the laptop down to do other things, of course. She's... Right. Here's the thing, Nigel. Yeah. This is all great fun. If she starts asking you for money... Oh, no, no, she didn't mention money. No, I don't think she'd be able to come this far because of the expense, but but you can talk on Facebook. Yeah. Also, she's... You know, if she starts getting fruity with her pictures and saying that you should do the same, just be careful. No, no, she didn't do anything like that, and she seems quite a good person. All right. Well, okay. She said I was sincere, that type of... Sort of. Well, she's right. You are sincere. Mm. You are sincere. Have you found the body rich one? Yes, we got it. Uh, Should we play it? Yeah, please, if you could, uh, Catherine. No problem. You take care of yourself, Nigel. Thanks, thanks Catherine. And bye, bye, Katie. Bye, bye. bye. Enjoy that beef bye. burger. Oh, I, might, I, I won't do it now. It's too late. <laughs> wow. well, I might have a go. I might have a go. Do what you want. Yeah, I ought to really. But yeah. be careful, all right? I need fattening up. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a pick on you. I'll speak to you soon. Take care, yeah, Nigel. Okay. Can I hear it as well? Oh, you um, want to say on when we play it? Yeah, I want to st- listen to it, see what it sounds like on the phone. All right, then, let's have it's a listen. Different. It's always different on the phone.
Not that, for heaven's sake. Wow. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. You never know just where the conversation will take you. On Talk Radio. I mean, there's drumming and there's getting carried away, isn't there? That's making a racket. I mean, he loves it, though. No, he's great. At the moment, you know. Buddy Richie, your heart out. Whatever gets you through. And so, yeah, the drums. The drums. He's going to need an extra hamburger patty after that. (laughs) Keep his stamina up. He is. Let's talk to Michael. Hey, Michael. Hola, Kath. Hello. Bonnie de douche, Katie. Hello. I've just used all my Spanish and French all in one. That's great. You said bonnet de douche, what, shower yeah, hat. Yeah, yeah, sorry, that's shower hat. hello and shower cap, isn't it? Very sexy, yes, bonnet thanks very much for that's that. That's great. Um, it was just, I'm, actually, it's quite short. First of all, I just want to say, uh, Nigel, um, I hope tomorrow goes well for him. He sounds a lovely guy. He's got talent there. And yeah. The other night, he didn't sound so good, so, uh, you know, he'll make his mum proud every day that he goes on, so good on him. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but, uh I'm actually loving the banter between you two. Ah, oh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I am. And I'm actually thinking if uh, Radio 4 did Loose Women, <laughs> you guys would present it. You know, you, you're, you're, bringing it up a, you're bringing it up a bit. So that, that's what I think. That I'm going to pitch that in an Alan Partridge type way. Beautiful. Radio 4. So that and Monkey Tennis. I think they'd probably take the yeah, tennis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's got it's got legs, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just I loved Katie way back when, and uh, I mean I know you, she was still young and beautiful, but um, the word you just totally rocked it. And oh, thank I just you. wanted I just wanted to ask you. I know you'll get asked all your memories and whatever, but I wanted you to give a moment that you would take from the word, not your best interview or anything. I just wanted you to give, when you think back, your, you know, if you were to sum it in a few sentences, what would it be? Well, it's hard to sum up in a few sentences. That show was amazing. Um, What a privilege, though. I guess I just have to say it was a, a huge privilege to be in a scenario where I got to meet some of the world's most interesting people and get to travel so much. And what was interesting, actually, what was the most fascinating for me was meeting a lot of people who were hugely talented and accomplished and rightly celebrated for that, who were down-to-earth, beautiful human beings. And Barry White was one of them. He was the second person I ever interviewed professionally, So the first person that I ever did an interview with on my first day of work was Demi Moore, and she was terrifying, Right, and she was a little mean. I mean, I was asking totally banal, moronic questions. She would have been like at the height of her powers then, right? Yeah, and I was like, I'd been instructed to get a rise out of her, but I was, but she, you know, was more than equal to the situation, and she let me know that. She did not approve of my antics. And I was a little traumatized. But, uh, you know, it's fine. I got the the quotes I needed. The second person I interviewed, I went over to his house, Barry White. And he he was somebody at the time who, you know, he didn't have anything left to prove. And he had so many accomplishments uh, in his career. And he was so generous and kind to me. And I 
I sort of offloaded on him a little bit, just saying, oh, I, I just was given a really hard time by Demi Moore, and I just got this job, and I don't really know what I'm doing. I kind of was like that, sort of burbling. And he he could see that I was a little stressed and a little run ragged and needed some reassurance. And, you know, I was no one to him. You know, I was just some goofy kid coming to interview him from some show he'd never heard of. And I'm al- I am always think back on that. When I think about the word, I think these people who were nicer than they had to be in a, you know, scenario that was really all about them shining. So, he was one. He was that was a real special memory. I'll always think about that because he he took the time to go. You're doing a great job. He was sort of over laughing at my jokes. I remember. Um, and then every now and again, he'd say in this really deep voice, you're going to be a star. Aww. And he just kept saying that. So I, was, I left on cloud nine after talking to Barry White. So that's a memory. Well, Barry was right. Yeah. You are a, you are a star and you've still got humility, Katie. Oh, uh. so Anyway, keep up the good work, guys. I'm oh, thank you. Loving your work. Oh, thanks, Michael. All the best. Take care. Cheers. Thanks. Bye, bye. Wow. Everyone's been so sweet tonight. What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? I'm not used to this treatment. Is this some sort of? Is this a? Is this a? Is this a joke? It's not a joke. We're we're uh, we're we're getting back what we're putting out. I hope so. I hope so. Um, what are we going to talk about? You oh, see? we're going to talk about um, too clever. Oh yeah, right. I saw a very funny tweet about this um, earlier on, and they were quoting our very, f- our very favourite um, science correspondent, Colin Fernandez, <laughs> had written an article <laughs> about this same thing, but I'd seen it in another paper. But it's this idea that men, you can't be too good looking, but you can be too clever for women, right? Which sounds a lot like the kind of BS mum spin to poor, defeated young men who come home and say, <laughs> she just won't look at me. Ah, oh, you see, the problem is, my darling, is you're too clever. Okay, is that really too clever or is that another word for their mansplainers? Well, maybe. The bane of women's existence. Let's, let's have a look. Let me try and Men find who it. hold forth on topics that... Uh, are already completely well covered. I'm trying to work out, right, mansplaining is when someone someone starts going into excessive detail about something they assume you don't know about. That's yeah. the thing, isn't in it? A, Without a, unsolicited. A, right, and, and totally patronising. Like, of course you don't know about this. Like, yeah. it, actually, this is my field of expertise. Yeah, like the guy who once on Twitter tried to explain this show to me. Oh, yeah. And I went, oh, it's interesting that you would explain it to me like that. Why? I went, well, you know, have a, have a look at my bio yeah it's like well of course i've I'm, yeah I'm, thought well don't we just say sorry yeah. you have to sort of suggest that i've trapped you into it but here's the thing that i found um and it's in the sun's fabulous section which is where you get all the best lifestyle knowledge smart alec there is no such thing as too good looking but men there is actually there, there is there is there is a thing as to because it can be distracting and then if and also you don't feel worthy or something or you just feel like that person is going to be have bigger fish to fry also if someone is too good looking and has nothing to back it up good looking gets really boring yeah that's the other thing i always found it um more of a thrill when you discovered someone was very attractive but they weren't obviously good looking because it feels like you've sort of you've unlocked a secret, doesn't yeah, it? And you go, yeah. God, they're so sexy. Why didn't oh, I see it sexy. before? Sexy is different to uh, appearances. Yeah, yeah. attractive. When Attract- someone is, and that lasts for a lot longer. Oh yeah. Give me some of that, please. I love a twinkler. Oh, a twinkler. Oh, I love a twinkle. Me too. So men are too men who are too smart. I do fancy uh, um, intelligent men, though. I've got oh, to me say. Me too. What do they call it? A, uh, a um, what are they called? A, um, 
a scientophile or something. Uh, there is such a thing because it's now become a kind of category on the um, on the sort of Tinder and all that sort of oh, stuff. Oh, is so it? You want to like egghead fondler? Yeah, or something. But there's a name <laughs> for it. You know, whereas before it was just you know someone who likes intelligent conversation and who you know really gets a kick out of someone being smart. I, mean, I, want I love it when they're smart. super intelligent and they want to hang out with you. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh gosh, that's so flattering. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Men who are too smart are perceived as too high maintenance, so women would rather steer clear. Well, good. They can steer clear and yeah. let me in. Yeah, exactly. For women looking for a man, it's the latter. Being too smart actually puts gals off. Okay, well, if you define yourself as a gal, again, come on. At least that's according to a new study which has concluded that while it's impossible for a guy to be too good looking, they can be too clever for their own good. Published in the British Journal of Psychology, the paper states that w- women want men to be smart but not too smart. Though. I don't agree with that. I need smart. I get bored when they're not smart enough. I do. I find it disappointing. I find it disappointing. I mean... I'm a big judger on, like, grammar and stuff as well. There's yeah. someone writes me a message and they put the apostrophe in the wrong place or forget to put it in. Or I, I was on a date with somebody recently and they used the word denouement. Oh. And I was just... I gave you a tingle. A, a foreplay. That was foreplay <sighs> right there. Wow, a denouement. Yeah. Published in the British Journal of Psychology, the paper states that women want men to be smart but not too smart. Data shows that a man who is more intelligent than 90% of the population is most desirable, more so than one who is cleverer than 99%. Well, that's still pretty clever. That's pretty clever. I don't know how these women are judging the extra 9%. Maybe they're too clever for the men. Maybe that's what it is. The ones that are going, "Mm, hang on a minute, I can sense an extra 9% with you. It suggests that very high levels of IQ... Hang on... uh, might be associated with negative char- characteristics such as social competence difficulties. Okay. Uh, okay. So socially awkward, super yeah. clever, socially awkward. Are, are we talking, yeah, like the, the total textbook nerd with yeah. the, you know, the, the, what is it called? The pocket clip where they have the, all their pens in their front pocket. And yeah. We all know that guy, right? Yeah. Although they have their fans. They do. So we're basically, we're not, it's not that he's smart is the problem. It's that he's socially awkward. Yeah, exactly. Which can be a problem. Yeah. Scientists ask 214 people to rate the desirability of potential partners based on different levels of intelligence, looks, how easygoing they were in kindness. They were then asked to say how attractive they'd find them if they were kinder, hotter, smarter, more relaxed than one, ten, 25, 50, 75, 90, and 99% of the general population. Both genders said their ideal partner was near the top of the scale on all attributes. But women's interest in men halted at those who were smarter and more easygoing than 90% of people. That's because men who are too smart are perceived as too high maintenance, so women would rather steer clear. Those of us who are in the top percentile of intelligent people also tend to suffer with conditions like obsessive-compulsive disorder. Oh. When it came to looks, however, women rated the most physically attractive guys the same as those who were considered the usual attractive type, meaning there's no such thing as too good looking. I mean, this is... What is usual? It's also pie in the sky, isn't it? Absolutely. It's like, what, what are we, you know, actually comparing? It's sort of... Also, 214 people. That's not a massive case study, is it? That's not... Are they... I'm interested in what the men are after. I'm... They're saying the men are are not bothered about, or, or they quite would love. What am I trying to say? They would like a ninety nine percentile lady. They want a really smart lady. Doesn't really go into what the men want. It says so both genders. Because I would be surprised about that. Yeah, I know. Both genders were saying their <laughs> ideal partner was near the top. I mean, I'm I'm ready to be surprised, guys. But you know, but women's men interest in men halted at those. Right, blah blah blah. What did it say about the blokes? Doesn't say. Doesn't say. 
Huh. Interesting. So, I would suggest that there's probably the same tendency at the to- at the top end for the for the men as well because they that? would assume that you're some sort of blue stocking, you know. Well, what that's interesting. The term high maintenance is interesting because I guess what they're saying, and I I think that would go for both sexes, is that if you have someone who can <laughs> who's pretty smart and won't let you get away with your usual little tricks, yeah, and they're going to pick you up on everything. Like, what do you think you're? Why are you doing that? Like, it could be a little niggling and annoying. Like they're yeah, but if they're a know it all, but some are, well, I've met intelligent people who can converse quite rela- in relaxed manners and know when the time is to stick the intellectual boot in and when it's time to just chill out. Right. That's called emotional intelligence. It's true. It's true. I definitely, if I see someone who looks picture perfect and symmetrical. Yeah, I get suspicious. I get Yeah. Well, I just feel, I just always think, oh, not for me. Like, the, you know, they won't like me because I'm not, you know, picture perfect. Oh, really? Yeah. I always think they're too... Uh, to I can't. I'm trying they're to think of an example. You, they yeah, they're not going to look at me because they're they're going to just want some Barbie or something. You're insane. Maybe you're insane. Do you realize how attractive you are? Oh, tell me. You are gorgeous. Thank you. Isn't she, Pete? Yeah, too right. Exactly. And Pete oh, knows. All true. right. Thanks for ringing us. What are you up to? <laughs> Um, I was listening to Nigel from Maidstone. Um, he's got a very big day tomorrow, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I was in a similar situation uh, yesterday, uh, well, Wednesday, uh, my mother's funeral. Right. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's okay. It's just that uh, she passed away three weeks ago, and um, um, my brother and I decided to do some eulogies, and um, we decided that uh, because she's been in a care home for the past 10 years with dementia, um it, we wanted the whole thing to be about elation rather than gloom and sadness, sort of enforced melancholy that you have at, at funerals. Yeah. So I, we we made it kind of light, really, and uh, we did the old cliche of um, always looking the bright side of life as playing <laughs> out. So it was very stressful, and I thought well, I was going to break down at some point because yeah. I had to be a pallbearer. Oh God! And I walked in, walked into walked into this crematorium. And just hearing Eric Idle's chirpy voice going there, it's, that set the tone. And um, when it came to doing the speeches, uh, my uncle was great. Uh, I did my bit. I, I did a bit of stand-up comedy, so that helps. Hmm. Um, I put laughter points in there. I wasn't trying to be, like, edgy or anything like that. No. But, uh, just a few things on like, like that, really. Um, and Nigel seems like a proper bloke, uh, proper nice bloke. I've, I've heard him... Like over the years, and uh, yeah, I, I hope he's got some friends around him, uh, and a lot of a sort of supportive network. And I think you guys are, are the best for that, really. Oh, thanks very much. We obviously there's a limited amount we can do, but if it's a matter of playing his drum solo to make him feel a little bit bit better about stuff, then of course we're going to play it. But um, yeah, he, and I do worry about him, and he knows we worry about him. I think it's yeah, totally he, helpful to get your perspective as well, if he's still listening, and I hope he is, to he hear... He only listens to his bits, and even <laughs> then he's only with half an ear. <laughs> but just the fact that, you know, it is surmountable, it's hard, you know, you'd rather not have to go through that, but everyone does, mm-hmm. and and that, you know, you, you can... You can face it and you can kind of customize it and make it comfortable for yourself and everyone. Here's the thing. We um, buried my grandma a couple of months ago and it, it, she was 
diagnosed very, very, and very soon after died. It, it was almost like one of those situations where she'd been ill for a long time, but no one had put a label on it. And then as soon as someone said, well, they found that she had lung cancer. And as soon as that was said, you know, and it wasn't just a bad back, she kind of gave up or, you know, said, oh, it was almost like a permission, permission to die, sir. Yeah. Off I go. And she just completely, there was a huge decline. It was shocking, the the decline and how fast she, she lost weight. She stopped eating. She had no appetite. I, you know, there was, I think, depression kicked in. And we'd go and speak, you go and see her and she just wasn't interested in anything anymore. Bless her. It was awful. In fact, one of the last things I said to her is I said goodbye to her and I kind of knew it was the last time I'd see her. I said, oh, grandma, it's not fair, is it? Because it was just awful. You know, she was 94 and she'd come through such a lot. She hadn't smoked since she was in her 40s, probably. So, so for lung cancer to be the thing was incredible. Mm. And she outlasted. She was the oldest of my grandparents. She outlasted everyone to the point where we just thought that she would go on and on, you know. And then just to see her so, so frail by the end, it was awful. So the funeral was a real shock for us. You know, the death was a shock and the funeral so, so quickly afterwards, we were still shocked. And I was asked to read a poem. And people do tend to ask me to read things <coughs> at sort of occasions, like weddings and stuff, because I think that because I sit behind a microphone for a living, it, it's not nerve-wracking. And it bloody is. When you can see the whites of their eyes, it's right. a whole different thing. Yeah. So I had to read this poem and it took me... I, it felt like I was standing there for 10 minutes just trying to get... I could see the first word in front of me but I couldn't start speaking. It was awful. But here's the thing. My dad is brilliant at eulogies <coughs> and he's done them for most of my grandparents now because people trust him. Because what he does is what you were saying there, Pete. You yeah. get the sad stuff. You get the real stuff because this is the thing. A lot of people don't want to do it and they leave it to the vicar or the celebrant or whatever you've got. And you get kind of a one-size-fits-all funeral. When my dad stands up and do does those eulogies, for a moment, they're there again. <coughs> and you'll bring up things that are funny and people feel... And, and it's like a relief, isn't it, when people laugh at a funeral? It's, oh. it, it sounds like it shouldn't happen, but actually, I long yeah. for it because my poem was really touching and everything and I found it really difficult to read it. But when I sit down and my dad gets up, I always feel relief because I think, here we go, we're going to get a little bit of them alive. So you did a really special thing, Pete. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was um, as another friend of the stand-up circuit when she did a, a eulogy at her dad's funeral. Um, she did it in a chicken costume. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> really? That's the kind of thing her dad would have wanted, apparently. Okay. And I trust her, and she just told out all these outrageous stories about him, and that fits. And I, I, I don't have the guts to really do that as such. But, uh, yeah. I mean, that's extreme. Just... You probably did it a little bit more subtly, but beautifully effective. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm back. I mean, I've just come back from a comedy gig in Leicester tonight, and uh, I'm, you know, I, I see try to see things as business as usual. But yeah, death can um, affect people in different ways. But uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of my relatives who I haven't seen in years, which come out to me saying that's that's really st strong and you, you, that's really different and refreshing take. And the same same to my brother as well. And he, he was doing yeah, he he couldn't go on for too long, yeah. uh, but. Um, he kept it short and brief to the point. And, yeah, um, we've got this... I've, I think we've got this very nice supportive network built up now. Um, there's a, a, bit of a, a few warring factions in my family, and uh, they all came together that day. Well, good. If only it would stay that way. 
Yeah. Oh, I have to point out, Katie, you are super attractive. Don't have any doubts on that. Because <laughs> I, saw, I, saw a, I saw a recent photo of you on Google, and I'm like, Dana, that's got to be from the 90s. And it's, no, no, it's 2018. I'm like, right on. You have not, you have not aged. There's, there's something in your attic. There's a painting up in there. Yeah, there is, and it's hideous. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay, cheers. Thanks, Thanks for phoning, Pete, and thanks for sharing that moment. Okay. Very special. Bye. Thank you. And there you go. We can talk about anything you want to. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Anything at all. Um, and thanks for um, all the messages we're getting through on Twitter. If you want to tweet me directly, it's at Flippin Kath or at Katie Puckrick or at Talk Radio. And that'll cost you nothing. If you want to text us, it's um, eight seven two two two. And at the beginning of your message, you just need to put Talk, and that'll cost you twenty five p per message on top of your standard network rate. Um, thanks to Giselle for the nice comments. Thanks to Matt as well, who's talking about um, this idea that you can be too intelligent but not too good looking. Um, I'm, I'm a postgrad from a decent university, not super intelligent, and I like women to be strong, interesting, able to hold conversation and have something to say. I don't think I've sought a partner on looks, but then again, I'm not a model and a bit of a geek. I find the most in- most interesting people are a bit geeky. I like yeah. people to be passionate about something. I'm nerd bait, oh, for God. sure. Oh, it's sapiosexual. That's what we are. Sapiosexual. Because we get, we get attracted, we get turned to on by knowledge. To knowledge, Okay. Um, Alex says, lovely dream Nigel had of pumping, of Ian pumping into his rear inner tube. Oh, Alex, come on! But yeah, it's true. I yeah. mean, there is, uh, there's a lot, there's a, there are levels there, aren't there? No, he's helping. I think that's it's the just way I, th- I looked yeah, at it too. He's helping. It's just that he's pumping. <laughs> so that's Alex. Um, Conscious Man says, what on earth is going on in that studio? Just tuned in, thought I got the wrong station. I think your caller knew that site in a little too much detail. Yes. We know exactly what site we're talking about there. <laughs> yeah. And Graham said, that last caller with the hamster fellow went awkward very quickly. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you say to someone who says you look like someone who's been, um, well, enjoying. Yes. Well, I don't believe the Christian literature thing for a second. That was interesting. That uh, certainly uh, there's always there's always a new way to find Jesus. <laughs> That's all I can say. Oh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. That's how you find us. Give us a shout. It's Talk Radio. The late night alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. We were just talking about how um, some people are immediately attractive and we're talking about, you know, people who aren't. It's not just a matter of, oh, I fancy them. It's everyone's going to fancy them because they are, they're just beautiful, right? And then you get to know them and you stop seeing them like that. And there are such people, aren't there? Yeah. I think most, for the most part. Well, you stop objectifying them. Yeah. So before you just see them as a series of features that just are put together in a very blindingly, you know, dazzling fashion. And then you see them as the individual that yeah. they are. That's why I much prefer the, the denouement, the denouement of sexiness in someone who you didn't necessarily think was that. You know, when you when you feel that first tingle of, oh my god, actually, I think I, I think I fancy them. Well, I, you know, it's funny when you get those tingles because sometimes you don't know why you fancy them, mm-hmm. and you do have that sort of like, oh, I think, you know, by George, by Gum, um, I think he'll get it. I think. <laughs> Yeah, so in my building, I see different people around in the hallway and at the lift and stuff. And maybe about a month ago, six weeks ago, I passed. I think I was leaving the lift, and this fellow on the ground floor was waiting for the lift. And we said hello, and there was something boing about him. Like, I just sort of thought, hey. And I don't know why he caught my eye, but he did. Like, he, he's sort of average height, maybe even a little smaller, sort of small 
had some tattoos. I don't normally care about tattoos. He might be young. He's older than 17 for sure. Okay, so that's yeah, okay. Well, well, let's, let's take he's, that box. He's, he's a, he, that was the other thing is like he's a little bit younger than I should be looking at maybe. I can't even tell how old he is. That's, that's part of the problem. Anyway, so I saw him and for some reason I just thought I, I literally did a double take when I walked away from the lift. I sort of did a, uh, just an in, inadvertent longing look behind me. And then I saw him another time, maybe a few weeks later, and I said, hello. And I was on the tip of my tongue to go, what's your name? And then I stopped myself because I thought, oh, hello, I love you. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> um, decided maybe that was a little too urgent uh, given the situation. But anyway, today, coming back from yoga class, I get out of the elevator on my floor and he's right there on the landing, on my landing. <gasps> I didn't know he lived on my floor. And so he's on the phone. He's chatting to somebody, London accent. I don't know what I, how I feel about that. Um, how London? Like proper, uh, proper geezer? Uh, he's not total geezer, but he's London. And I sort of, I find myself more favorably inclined to northern accents. Oh, really? Yes. I like people who, I don't know, kind of earthier people. So who are more like Americans in a way, mm -hmm. but maybe a geezer. And he's not proper geezer, but anyway, had a London accent. And um, he's on the phone. So I was able just to kind of give him a big smile and like, yeah. And then he gave me a big smile and he held the door open to the, you know, the walkway. And then I made a point of when I got to my door and put the key in the lock, I turned my head and then I could see that he turned his head just to, he was still chatting to his friend and he was out on the landing and Sam, this is how people used to meet each other in the olden days before yeah. they were swiping. Yeah, this is really this is so olden days. This is what this justifies why I haven't invested in a brand new smartphone. <laughs> Don't need it. Yeah. So we've done the look and that was fun. But here's my dilemma. If I take it any further, he lives on my floor. What if he's a jerk yeah. and an idiot? Yeah. And why am I attracted? I don't even know why I'm attracted to him. I mean, it's funny. But anyway, there's something appealing about him. Oh, gosh. And it's not just the proximity because you didn't know at the time. Yeah, exactly, because I've seen him twice, and this is the third time, and he's on my floor. So I'm definitely going to ask him his name, get into a little bit of a conversation. Have a chat. Have a chat. Hopefully there'll be something in it that puts you off. Right. And then we don't need to think about this anymore, because it could get complicated. Yeah, knock, maybe I knock on his door and ask for a <laughs> cup of... So I don't know what. God, what? Gold blend. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I don't know. This is a ghost story again. <laughs> is that too forward? Yeah, that is. I'd ask for coffee or sugar. Or coleslaw. Yeah. Co no. <laughs> coffee. Yeah, who needs a cup of sugar nowadays? Who needs a cup of, who needs coffee? A cup of milk. No, for the coffee. Egg. I need your eggs. I have an egg. I have an egg. Problem. <laughs> I have an egg problem. No, you could make out, no, because then you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be that woman. Who's making a cake? No, you, you, that's not sexy enough. You, uh, well, just I'll just. Do you have? Um, oh, I know, I know. Are you good with cables? No. Or um, do you have uh, any matches? Because I have. I've just lit some. I'm trying to light some candles for my bath. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to. Because you want to sow a sexy thought in his mind. You don't want to be. Yeah, but here's home, a, homely. I don't want to think about if he turns out to be creepy. And oh, dumb, yeah, you don't and think dumb. about him naked straight away. Right, and I don't want him to be like, oh, I think I'll just mosey down to outside her window. And, yeah, 
Yeah. Anyway, it's kind of exciting. It sort of put a little pep in my step. Good. Well, that's all you want. Yeah, that's all I want. That's what you well, want. Well, I want a little bit more than that. Oh, well, we'll start with the pep and see okay. how you get on with okay. everything else. Okay. I, but I want to know this stuff. All I mean, right. I, you better... Right, I know we've only got tonight and, t- and tonight's nearly <laughs> finished and tomorrow, but you better text me and let me know what's all going right. on with this ongoing saga. It's like the Gold Blend couple. Do you remember those? <laughs> yes. They, but then again... I hope it's better than the Gold Blend couple because I don't too. believe they ever got down. Oh, let's talk about this because this was a really okay. interesting story and this is kind of uplifting but weird at the same time and that's Perfect. what the late night alternative is all about. Yes. Did you hear about this cop who was praised for breastfeeding someone else's baby? No. It's an amazing story, right? Because immediately when you hear that, you go, oh, God, why? Ooh. I mean, I've heard about to serve and protect. There's a picture. A police slogan, but... My goodness, there she is. There she is, and what a beautiful baby, but not hers, right? Wow. So here's the story, and this is incredible. A police officer who b- breastfed a neglected, smelly and dirty baby in a hospital has been <laughs> praised for her act of kindness. Did we have to know it was smelly, smelly and, and dirty? dirty? All babies are smelly and dirty, frankly. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Celeste Ayala from Berisso in Argentina was working on guard duty at the Sor Maria Ludovica Children's Hospital in Buenos Aires when the baby was brought in crying inconsolably, suffering from malnutrition. Hearing the child's desperate cries of hunger, her maternal instinct kicked in. She asked staff if she could hold and feed him as it was clear they were overloaded with work. Wait, so she had milk to spare because... she's nursing herself. Okay. (laughs) She didn't just spontaneously start lactating, like it just, like a fountain. But that happens, you know. Because that happened to me or you? I mean, that would be weird. That would be weird. A cry of a baby and then... But I do remember when I first, yeah, when I first went back to work, if you heard someone, oh, God, some, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. You would just start leaking. Yes. Like, oh, I need to feed the world. It's incredible, right? How amazing. I um, I don't know about this breastfed for a little while with my kids, but mostly because I had loads of milk, but it seemed to be like skimmed or something. They just never put any any weight on it. It became so stressful. Oh, God, I got put in all kinds of bad mother's clubs at the clinic and all kinds of things. And they couldn't see anything wrong with what I was doing. So I put it down to, I don't think my milk was good. But there was loads of it. And it is uncontrollable. I mean, well, God, just... the amount of times I answered the door and I had a boob hanging out w- without realising. Because they become like a law unto themselves. <laughs> or they would, you know, I, all of a sudden I would just feel the top, my top soaking. Uh... And it would be one or both because of a, uh, I heard a baby crying. Or Here's wow. the weirdest thing that that happens. Sometimes you start just before the baby wakes up. Oh, like there's some so, kind of weird. You're being controlled by yeah. this. You're you're a slave to this infant. Oh God, I mean that's the truth. That is the truth. But anyway, um, parasites. <laughs> but they're adorable. Whatever. Speaking to local media, Celeste said, "I noticed that he was hungry as he was putting his hand into his mouth, so I asked to hug him and breastfeed him." It was a sad moment. It broke my soul seeing him like this. Society should be sensitive to the issues affecting children. It can't keep happening. She said she didn't think twice about helping the poor baby. A colleague of the police officer praised her for her actions on social media. Um, According to Marcos Heredia, hospital staff said the baby was dirty, but that didn't deter Celeste. He took a touching photo of her breastfeeding the starving baby and and shared it online. Um, He said, I want to make this public... I want to make public this great gesture of love you made today for this little baby who you didn't know, but for who you did not hesitate to act like a mother. You didn't care if he was dirty, which is what the hospital staff called him. Oh, good job, mate. According to local media, the malnourished baby is the youngest of six from a single mother who's struggling to cope and in a desperate situation. What? Did they just find this baby? They took them into care. Oh. Um... 
the fire brigade where Ayala volunteers in her spare time pay tribute to the gesture on social media saying we want to congratulate the voluntary firefighting god she fights fire she's a copper as well we want to um, congratulate the voluntary firefighting cadet Celeste Ayala, who yesterday in her job as police officer while she was on guard duty at the hospital breastfed a young child who arrived crying. Actions like these fill us with pride and obligate us to redouble the effort, the work with the solidarity of our community. Well, Apparently you- she's been given a promotion as well. Well, she should. That reminds me of the story about Salma Hayek. Do you remember that many no. years ago? So 2009, she did a Goodwill trip to Sierra Leone and she breastfed another woman's newborn son actually on on camera um because uh apparently uh the actress was told by doctors there that many mothers stop breastfeeding their inter their infants within the first few months after birth because of pressure from their husbands yeah um and also sierra leone has the highest infant mortality rate in the world in part fueled by malnutrition My God. and and so salma Hayek took matters into her own hands and breasts and fed here's a here's a little oh god shot yeah, of look. her madonna and child type of thing i mean it's a very i don't know how i would feel about someone else breastfeeding my kids but i guess we're talking about desperate situations here and it wasn't that unusual not so long ago for, well, you know, for people to be brought in to do wet, that when the mother nurses couldn't. yeah yeah that was always always a thing especially yeah in the olden days of you know the rich victorian ladies who would have uh, the working class servants coming in and doing all the doing all the hands on mothering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, God, what a thing! What a thing! <sighs> well, so that's 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 an uplifting story. Do you want another one? Yeah, give it to me. Here's a really nice one. So, uh, this is from the Mirror, and this is about Janet jo- uh, Janet Jotham, who is eighty. Um, and here's the story. An OAP is set to enjoy her first holiday for 50 years after the public raised money she had stolen by cruel conmen. Poor Janet was scammed out of the £750 she'd been saving for the rare break. Rogue traders claiming to work for the council said they needed to cut down trees and hedges in her garden, but took the cash and disappeared. But strangers have rallied around Janet from Gloucester to pay for a trip to Whitstable on the Kent coast. Grateful son Stephen said it's absolutely amazing that this amount of people have donated. Mum is overwhelmed. When the incident happened, you just think those low-life scum did that to a vulnerable pensioner. However, this makes you realise that not all people are bad. From a bad experience came a positive. Now mum will holiday in Whitstable, where she grew up. She moved to Gloucester where she was seven, when she was seven years old, but she has family there. It may be the chance to go and visit people. Um, this is because a local community worker, Sam Elston, set up a Just Giving page for the holiday. And Sam said, she, um, I'm shocked and surprised and amazed at the response to donations the public have made. Isn't that credible? No, it's a great story. I mean, it's always disgusting when you hear about people beating up elderly yeah, or just, citizens. I mean, I don't, in this case, there was no violence, but it's still a flipping violation and awful, you know. Yeah. 80-year-old woman. 750 quid also would not go that far for those people. Yeah. But obviously meant a lot to her. Well, all I can say is, when she's in Whitstable, steer clear of those worm vending machines. Those are weird. What worm vending machines? They have worm vending machines in Whitstable for fishermen oh, on the go. right. Got you. Yeah. So if you want to buy some maggots or something, you just put your pound coin in and out come some worms. But surely they'll be dead, won't they? I don't know how it works. I think it's probably chilled... You know, like maybe they can put them in suspended animation. Right, okay, so it's, yeah, it's like a... And then in your hot little hands, they warm up. 
Don't you have to lick the end of a worm to get it going? <gasps> do you? I think you have to. Yeah, I think you that's, do. That's what the worm told you to do. <laughs> Honestly, all your mates have. No, I think you do. I, 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 I'm pretty sure I've seen it on fishing programs where you, they sort of suck the end of the well, worm and then stick it on. Oh, uh, that is disgusting. And that is a, official. I'm never going fishing. But if, you fancy it. If I'm going to have to. I had a fling with a, a fisherman, a salmon fisherman in Alaska. Oh, once. God, Katie, you uh, introduce this when we've got eight minutes to go. <laughs> But he never asked me to lick the end of his worm. <laughs> I imagine he was using bigger bait, wasn't he? Yeah. Did he tickle them? Uh, Isn't that a thing, tickling salmon? Oh, salmon, tickling salmon. No, he... Well, where was I taking he, you off there in he, your he, mind? Uh, I was trying to think of what he was tickling. Uh, he caressed them lovingly. He um, loved the fish. He found them beautiful. So he would catch them and then he would sort of hold them up adoringly for me to inspect them and ooh and ah. And I just tried my best yeah it's like oh, yeah dead fish yeah it's great that's there yeah. was a there was a show recently on tv that everyone's going mad about and they think they've commissioned another series and everyone's thrilled about it because it's about fishing but it's not really about fishing it's it's a really heartwarming buddy thing really and it's paul whitehouse and bob mortimer did you hear about it i've Gone heard fishing. i've heard people love it i haven't seen it yet. oh my goodness i love love loved it i watched it because i like bob mortimer um in fact, he's called this show a few times as someone else. But um, oh. he, uh, he it's just brilliant. And it, what, what seems to have happened is they both both had sort of various forms of heart surgery and felt age impending and felt like they needed to, you know, grasp life. And I think Bob was ill second. So Paul kind of knew what he'd gone through and reached out to him and said, do you want to do something, mate? And this is the product of it. And oh. it's those two sort of hanging out. Oh, my God. Paul Ross is doing the spooky torch thing in the doorway. Right? I just caught sight of it and it was like, I can see a face. I don't like to come in uninvited. I'm like a lost boy. You like, you like to terrorise us. When I invited you in, you're going to be on the va- vampiric rampage. Can I offer you some chocolate, Paul it's Ross? It's really good. Take one square. Maybe yes. so take, take, take both squares, please. We were just indeed. talking about Bob Mortar and Paul Whitehouse gone That's fishing. Show, oh, my goodness. Life enhancing. Yeah. And it's, you know, you try and sell it to someone and the first thing you say is, it's not really about fishing. Yeah. It's about two blokes hanging out, and yeah. it's oh, it's just so heartwarming. And one of them is an expert in fishing, and the other one is a newbie. You have it, yeah. Paul Whitehouse is absolutely obsessive, I think, isn't yeah. he? Absolutely yeah. loves it. But yeah, and Bob Mortimer that would help, wouldn't it? Now I'm yeah. on mic. Sorry, Bob Mortimer yeah. isn't all that bothered, but he's put himself in charge of food and lodgings, yeah. and so they stay they stay in yurts and you know mm. um, log cabins and stuff. But, but I heard you talk about your great interview with Barry White. Oh, and amazing! The two you did when we worked together on the word that I really remember was one was Andy Garcia, who can be very difficult, and you're oh, great yes. with him, and then Bobby Brown. Do you remember that? When you, well, Bob, the Bobby, you spent a lot of time with it, but he's, he can, again, can be a very difficult man, I understand. Bobby, uh, <laughs> Bobby was very interested in taking it, taking it elsewhere after the interview. Well, yeah. I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> he, he asked what I was doing. He said, Candy, go, you're on my mind. <laughs> um, uh, Andy Garcia, that was an interesting thing because, uh, as you know, Paul, because you would have been instructing me to do this, I was sent into the field. Uh, Paul, Ross. Into the field, to, wow. With well, your thousand yard stare. <laughs> into the field, asked to basically ask the most obnoxious and penetrating and, uh, you know, the questions that the PR specifically instructed us not to ask uh-huh. and when you asked him would he work nude or did he have yeah, a clause in his contract that he yeah, wouldn't work nude yeah did he have a clause in it because he he uh yeah he was uh, it was about the fact that he was always naked in every role that he'd done <laughs> and then um he 
then I said, do you have a clause? And then he said, what was it that he said? I think he said, do you? And you said, no, I've only got these claws. These claws, beautiful. The cl- yeah. I did a little, like, yeah. animal Which doesn't really play on the radio, but you've explained it now, so it does. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, and, and I did win, I did win him over with a little, yeah. a little, uh, twinkle. Intel- a ter- twinkle. 95%. I mean, there's so much stuff we waste, but when I look back, if only somebody at Planet 24 had saved those, because they'd have been brilliant half-hour interviews anyway. Yeah. And things like, you know, VH1, if there'd been a cinematic version of VH1, they could have played those, the film ones, or there could have been like E Entertainment. The access, the access that yeah, we had. Yeah. So, you know. what, they all got lost, got wiped? Well, I, I mean, they're probably Char- in Charlie Parsons' shed or something, the guy who ran, or him and his other half who, who right. ran. I mean, they're probably around somewhere, but you know, it's because un- unfortunately with the word, nothing, many because of you know, all of our short attention spans, nothing lasted more than three and a half minutes. Uh-huh. So, we got this access and we cut it down to three and a half minutes, and it was quite zappy, which was great because it was post pub television, but it also meant that an awful lot got kind of and there were there were access programs and extra bits we put out and stuff but it never really i mean oh, i think man, terry I spent like a whole day with keith richards no and you kind of think now and again we, we wow. stuck it out as a item three for four minutes well that's the thing about the word is that it is almost a petri dish of of all of television now so you would have had a whole series about looking for the new presenter of the word or you'd have a whole series about a man uh having his penis enlarged yeah. and yeah. this was all they, they were all just like yeah. oh we'll just do a five minute bit on three it minutes or, and here's the hopefuls yeah, whatever wow. it was, yeah. yeah. right quick tell us what's on your show on the up. show we're talking to tom phillips a great author who's got a brilliant new book out called humans how we've effed everything up ah! and it's a brilliant book he goes through <laughs> history great all these people like the man who invented the gatling gun richard gatling the man who invented the maxim machine gun alfred nobel who gave us dynamite all said this will end wars forever how wrong they were so i'm looking forward to that on the program and also crossing live to hawaii more seriously because hurricane lane is heading for hawaii mm-hmm. the biggest storm for 25 years so we're talking to people on the ground there because that volcano is also still erupting on hawaii <gasps> and it sounds like a movie but it won't be real challenges there so we're live to hawaii it sounds wonderful not that but your show um we'll be listening on the way home and but you're not the kind of listener we want kath with all respect Why? We're i was trying to draw the younger crowd the kiss fm crowd oh is kiss still going uh we don't know i listen to, <laughs> I, I listen to kiss i, I listened to you last night doing your whole rap about not understanding about coconut oil which i cannot believe that you missed coconut oil i'm afraid i did yeah i mean i was into the almond milk for a while because one of my daughters is very keen on that kind of thing yeah. but no, the co- I, I was mistaking it with coconut water i think yeah. which was also groovy for a while wasn't yeah. it oh, Paul get me saying life. groovy He's come, Groovy Paul Ross coming up next. We're done for the night. Thanks very much for your company. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.